Hello, world. Today, my guest is Josh from DOC TV on YouTube. Josh did six years in prison for doctor shopping and essentially exploited the opioid crisis by selling very large amounts of prescription painkillers like Oxycontin. His YouTube channel is all about prison and exposing the corruption in the Florida Department of Corrections. He does a very good job explaining his experience in the system and what needs to be changed, not only in the prison system, but also in the legal system. This conversation was gripping from start to finish, truly. Without further ado, please welcome Josh from DOC TV. What up, Josh? What's up, man? How you doing, man? I'm good, bro. How you doing? You got a really cool YouTube channel. Yeah. You interview a lot of gritty dudes on there. (laughs) You ain't lying. (laughs) Yeah. Where do you find these people at? Well, first, before you get into that, tell people out there who don't know who you are, give them like a, a brief background All right, on, so, uh, on who you are and like how you started your YouTube channel. All right. So my name is Josh. Uh, it's DOCTV813 on YouTube. And if you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. How I started it was I kind of fell down the wormhole on YouTube about like two years ago, and I saw a lot of people talking about prison, violence, the corruption, and everything that goes on. So I kind of just chilled for a little bit and I watched some more of it. And then I was like, man, I got all these stories plus some. So what really did it was I I got hired at a gym to be a personal training manager. It was a gym just opening. And the owner, when we first started talking, he said, if you sell $10,000 in personal training in the first month of us being open, I'm going to give you this bonus, that bonus. And he was just going over like a pay structure. Well, the time came and the month came and I did, and he, he didn't pay me. Like he, he, I don't know what he thought he was doing, but I went to ask him for my paycheck cause I didn't get one. And he's like, um, well, a little things came up and he's like giving me the runaround. I'm like, bro, when are you going <laughs> to fucking pay me? Right. Yeah. So he doesn't pay me. I'd end up suing the dude to get my money. And what he told me to my face, when I asked him the last time was, no one's going to believe you because you're a felon and you've been to prison. So I was like... <clears throat> so he was scamming you from the beginning, probably. Yeah, bro. Yeah. So Jeez. it made me like... I mean, I wanted to work for myself. YouTube, there's a... You know, you can yeah. do well on YouTube if, if you do it right. So that's what made me want to do it to begin with. And then, obviously, like helping other people from my mistakes. And when they watch my shit, I'm sure they're mm-hmm. going to be like, bro, I don't want to go down that road. How long <laughs> did you go to prison for? A total of six years. I went twice, actually. You went twice. Yeah, I had to run God. my head into the wall. <laughs> Man, was it hard to get? So it was hard to get back on your feet after getting out. They don't. They definitely don't make it easy. I mean, just by you know having people in here like Matt Cox and and other people. You know, we've heard a lot of stories about it's an uphill battle to try to like get back into the groove of society and make it. One hundred percent. The deck is stacked against you once you get out. Yeah, man, it's hard. Like you, you know, once you have a felony on your record, you can't buy a house in certain places. You can't rent in certain places. And I don't have a trade. I didn't go to school. You know what I mean? I mean, I have a trade with personal training, but as far as anything other than that, I didn't. So that's what I got when I got out of prison was certified and personal training, started doing that. 
And then I ran into the guy at the gym. And that wasn't the first time, like, I ran into little shit because of my record. When I got out, I tried to be upfront and honest with people about it when I was being interviewed. And, mm. like, immediately it's a no. And you yeah. get, like, a hundred of them. You know what I mean? Which sucks. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So when you first started your channel, what kind of people were you talking to? Like, what was your what was your sort of, like, direction you wanted to take it? So I was going to start – I started telling my personal stories about prison – um, and then I kind of liked the, the interview format and I had been to prison with a bunch of people that I grew up with. So I started bringing people on that I was in prison with or in jail or in that lifestyle. And I just started interviewing them. And then the next thing I know, it kind of blew up. Yeah, there's a lot. Of, I'm sure there's a lot of fascinating stories in prisons. Oh, my just gosh. Just from the people bro. that we've had on here. We know <laughs> we're, that. We're going to get into some of them. <laughs> so let's go back from the, to the beginning. What put you in prison? Okay, listen, if you aren't already gambling and betting on sports, you need to be because I've been cashing in big for the last two months after I signed up with mybookie.ag. I fucking love mybookie.ag. I was using mybookie way before they reached out to sponsor the show. And this month only, our listeners and subscribers are going to get matched on their first deposit up to $500 when they sign up with mybookie by using the promo code CONCRETE. K-O-N-C-R-E-T-E. Football season is officially here and the betting has begun. It's time for you to win big with mybookie.ag. They have all the crazy pregame prop bets you could ask for, and you can even bet the games live to shift the odds into your favor and always come out on top. They are the leading betting site globally. That's why we use it, and I've been making so much goddamn money, I'm going to start investing in some more real estate. If you want to bet and win big this NFL season, it's got to be with mybookie.ag. Sign up today with a promo code CONCRETE, K-O-N-C-R-E-T-E, and you're going to get matched up to $500 on your first deposit. So do it now. Back to the show. Well, I mean, it kind of, it goes back even before the charges that put me in. Really what, what put me into prison was fast money. And I made that by, you know, exploiting like the uh, opioid epidemic that was going on in the town that I grew up in. It was like the capital at that time of like pill mills and pills and everything going on. So I, there's a lot of, there was a lot of money to be made then. So that's what What I, what city was that? Pasco County. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like. Right, yeah. right down the street. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Familiar. I was selling weed. I was in high school. I, w- I was hanging out with my best friend, and we were trying to make money selling weed and doing just, you know, like kid stuff, I guess, in high school. And so we're doing that, and his dad one day came up to us and was like, why are you guys selling weed? There's no money in that. Y'all should be doing this. And he told us the whole scam about going to the doctor Tell them you have anxiety, lower back pain. And there just happened to be a doctor in the county that I grew up in. He had an office in Newport Ritchie and in Hudson, which what that was part of his scam. So you at that time, I didn't have parents. So I was on Medicaid and I would go to his office and they would, you know, charge my Medicaid on a like Monday on the first. And then on the 15th, I would go to his other office and do the same thing, which you're not supposed to be able to do that. And he didn't care because my friend's dad hooked it up with this doctor that we would just give him $500 and he would write us five scripts of a hundred pills of our choice. As long as they weren't like, you know, fentanyl and shit like that. But they were oxycodone is really what we wanted. And this guy, so somebody, a friend of yours introduced you to this doctor 
and this doctor knew that you guys were buying the getting these scripts from him to sell on the street yeah bro he knew he knew everything and it was my friend's dad he was like in a biker gang and all his like buddies were doing this so that's how we got turned on to the doctor because he was oh. like y'all need to go here on trouble creek and 19 <clears throat> this is what you say and I like he didn't even he acted like it was nothing, bro. It was like just mm. sitting down with somebody, and then the next thing you know, they're like, okay, and you're like Xanax, you know, oxygen. You're just naming off what you want. So where that went bad, um, that kid that his dad introduced us, his name was Joe. And one one day we had all this money, and we were like, bro, let's throw a hotel party in Clearwater. So he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're like getting ready for this party, and. We had gotten scripts from that doctor and we had got, everyone was asking for like Oxycontin and that really wasn't a thing yet, but the hardcore like pill users knew about it. Cause that's what got them, you know, the most, the most high. So we get Oxycontin eighties and we didn't know at the time, um, how it worked with them, like the codeine it's time release. So right. we didn't know anything about that cause we were young. So that night, it's me, my friend Joe, and the kid that lived across the street from Joe, Justin, was in the car. We go to the hotel party, and they were like, they would pop pills every now and again. And I wasn't into that then because they would get so messed up, I'd have to babysit them. When they, you know, so I was like, man, I don't like this shit. So we end up going to the hotel party. They both ate an 80, right? And mm -hmm. then like two hours had gone by, we're at the party. And Joe's like, man, I don't even feel this. This shit's weak, right? So he pops like a couple more. So does Justin. A couple more. Yeah, yeah. Like so now they're on probably three like 80s. three. Yeah. So then the party's coming to an end, and like there was a fight that broke out. So we're like, man, let's just leave here for the cops come. I drive Joe back to his house and drop him and Justin off. I go home, and then like the next morning, I'm not hearing anything. Usually, like he'll text me, and he's like, bro, come on, come over, let's go, right. and then we'll go like sell weed and shit. Yeah. So I didn't hear anything, and then I'm like, man, I'm just going to drive over there and see what's up. Like, we had hung out every day, so that wasn't, like, out of the ordinary or anything. Um, and when I pulled down the street, there was an ambulance. There was a bunch of cop cars. I, I creep up to the house in the car. I get out. His mom's in the front yard crying. And I'm like, what happened? Well, that night, Joe died. Mm. And while I'm standing there and watching this, I see people coming out of the, across the street. The kid Justin died too, so Damn. they both died that night. It was fucking crazy, man. Damn, fucking yeah, a, bro. And you would think with me seeing that, like I would be like, this life isn't for me. You know what I mean? Like, um, I don't know what it was about me, man. I guess I was just like attracted to the chaos and the like the violence and all the shit that came with it. So mm. I didn't stop at that point. Like I just kept going, doing what we were doing. And eventually it, it took, it went to another level because then the pill mills were really, this was like before the pill mills, you know what I mean? This, what year was this? Mm, uh, like 2001, bro. Like okay. 10 years of my life is like a blur, honestly. So <laughs> really? I'm pretty bad. Yeah. I'm pretty bad with like dates and stuff, yeah. but <clears throat> this was before the pill mills really hit like Tampa and you were hearing about it. You know what I mean? This was it was probably like a year before it really hit. And mm. then there was like a problem because they were, you know, there were so many people, there were seven Floridians dying a day due to opioid, you know, overdose. Right. So how I, it took to the next level for me was, is 
you know, once you get in the game and you go to a doctor, you meet some people at that doctor's and then you start selling them pills or you start buying their pills. And the next thing you know, they're like, oh, well, this doctor down the street will give you this many. And there was no Florida database in effect. So I could literally go to like six doctors in one day. As long as the time was there for me to do it, like within an eight hour period in the day, I was sitting Mm -hmm. in a doctor's office because I was just like going to multiple doctors. And then when you meet those people and you're in that game, there's a lot of people that get their pills on the first and do them all. So then they don't have any to get through from like the 10th to the 30th. So then that's when they would call me and be like, Hey bro, I don't got anything. I'm going to be sick. Can I get this many for this many back when I get my shit filled? So if I give him a hundred pills that are, you know, let's just say $10 a piece, thousand bucks. Then when he goes to the doctor, he gives me 200 back. So it's one for two, mm-hmm. the deal. Right. Right. And you have that with like one person. And then the next thing, you know, you have like 15 people like that. And each one of them knows like two or three people that will need the same thing. And usually what it ended up happening was the people would go to the doctor, they get their pills, they do them. They call me for a front, you know, let's just say a hundred for two back. And then they would get those and do those too. So by the time their doctor appointment came for the next month, now I'm paying for the whole visit. I'm paying to fill the scripts and now they're giving me all their pills. And I would just like, you know, give them some so they wouldn't be sick basically to get through the month. Or I would give them like methadone or some shit like that. Jesus Christ. What kind of people are these? Where are you finding these people? Not people you would normally like chill with. You know what I mean? Um, Are these just like straight up like trailer park hillbillies? Like are they kind of like people you see in like Appalachia? Kind of, man. It's like, it's kind of like that, but then it started to be everybody, man. Because in the county I was in, like it was nothing for you to like, go to a gas station and see somebody you went to high school with. And next thing you know, you haven't seen them in five years and they're coming up to you and they're like, yo bro, what's up? You got those? Like everybody was doing it. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So it wasn't, it was kind of like all walks of life, but yes, it did start with like, you know, Mm -hmm. the backwoods hillbilly person. Right. And then eventually in the County, like it was just like, if you didn't do pills, like you were like the outcast, you know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. You were rare. Yeah. It was, it was nuts, man. Wow. So how long did this, how long did this last for you and how much, look, what kind of money were you making doing this? So, I mean, the most I made in a month was probably like 50,000 doing Mm. it. Um, but it was more like five grand a week guaranteed no matter what. And then it was a bunch of other things too. Like, um, I don't know if you know, but when people get hooked on pills or drugs and you know, they don't have money, they can't get any next thing you know, they're giving you shit for it. So I would (sighs) end up not only with the money, but like tons of useless shit. Yeah, like night vision goggles <laughs> and fu- whatever, bro. Like a broke toaster. If uh, could, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, if you could make a dollar on it, it was yeah. they were trading it. Right, exactly. Wow. So that's I'm, so wild. I know, man. It was it was a crazy life. Like, cause it, I w- eventually I started taking the pills. Is really like, oh, did you? Yeah, really where it turned. So <clears throat> when I was nineteen. I was in Tampa. I met this chick that was like 32. She was like a dentist assistant or something. Mm-hmm. And we were, we moved to Ocala. Well, she's going to a doctor already because she has like anxiety and something else. So she goes to this doctor. And usually like back then, if a doctor would write you Xanax, that means he would probably write you something more. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So she started going to the doctor and asking him like, you kind of had like a spiel, you would say, you know, like, 
um, my back hurts right here. It goes into my, my ass cheek and I, you know, my legs hurt cause of it. And there, and you would get an MRI too, which I was in a car accident later on and broke my sternum. So I had a legit MRI for my back. So when we were in Ocala, we kept having to drive back to Tampa though, to go to the doctors. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, man, this drive, like it's a lot of money, but why are we even living in Ocala? You know what I mean? Like, let's just move to Tampa and we'll be close. So we end up moving down here and that's really like when it started to get bad. And that was because like I was going to five doctors, she was going to five doctors and then all the other shit that went on that we were taking and, and buying people's shit. And after the car accident, I started to take pain pills like for pain. You know what I mean? I didn't like because them. Because you had been the, right, because you were actually physically in pain. Right. And I didn't like them, bro. Like, when I first started taking, they made me nauseous. I didn't, like, it just wasn't my thing. But I was in pain at the same time. And, you know, back then the doctors were giving you whatever. So they had me on shit that I probably shouldn't have been on that was more for, like, a cancer patient. You know what right, I mean? Right, right. So he was just writing me a lot of shit. And the next thing I know, fast forward, like eight, nine, 10 months later, like my habit went from doing the prescription to now doing like, kind of like what happened to those people that I was selling with. You know what I mean? Like I did the tolerance, bro. Like it just like went through the roof. So, and I mean, I'm not proud of this, but like I, I was literally like taking like 30 to 40 pain pills a day. Plus, <sighs> like Xanax and, you know, muscle relaxers and what else. So that's really when it started to get bad. And we had moved into a condo in this like, uh, like kind of like apartment complex, but it was like a condo area and we had just moved in. So we had no furniture. So, I mean, I'm not super bad yet. I, I can still sell pills and do mm -hmm. everything I need to, to make money. I was just like getting high for free at that point. Cause it was just so easy. What's so great about mixing the painkillers, like the oxycodones or whatever it is with the muscle relaxers. I feel like so many people do that. I didn't like it. I like the pain pills and Xanax, but I don't like the muscle relaxers. You didn't like the muscle relaxers. No, nah, but. But it's a I, popular, it's like a popular thing, right? Mm -hmm. It was a popular oh, thing. Yeah. People that people that are addicted to eat a lot of those, a lot of like, whether whether they're Vicodins or Oxys or whatever they are, they usually mix them with the muscle relaxers. Yeah, uh, I know people that have done that. The reason why I don't like muscle relaxers is I was getting arrested one day and I had like 15 somas in my pocket. Somas, and, that's what they're called, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I knew I was getting arrested. Like I could feel, you know, the cop was going to, it was just a matter of time before he put the handcuffs on me. And I had these pills that I'm prescribed, but they're out of the bottle, <laughs> so I'm kind of freaking out in my head like here's a possession charge. So I just ate all 15 of them. Oh, man. So by the time I get to the jail – and they, like, bring me up to the computer, I was, like, foaming at the mouth because a muscle relaxer, like, relaxes your muscles, but your heart's are a muscle, too. Right, right. So I was literally, like, awake in my body looking at you through my eyes and knew what I wanted to say to you, but I couldn't make my mouth do it. So I was, like, sitting there, bro, like, like helpless. Yeah, bro. It was so – so that's why I don't like uh, muscle relaxers <laughs> yeah. and – and pain pills mixed together and Xanax. I've had a few close calls in my younger days with the, like, one time I had my wisdom teeth pulled out and I got prescribed Vicodin. And they gave me this giant bottle of Vicodin. That's how they do it. I remember one day, I mean, that, back in those days, I was, like, drinking and partying all the time. And one night, me, me and a couple of my buddies, we were, we were uh, drinking a lot of Jack Daniels and partying, doing some other substances. And I ate, like, the last four Vicodins 
that I had in my prescription. And boy, did that fuck me up. <laughs> I was paying for that for like the next two days. I was yeah. fucked up bad. Because you didn't, you didn't have a tolerance. No. So you were, you were high and sick at the same time. Yes, yeah, bro. That's I was a shitty fucked feeling. up. That is definitely... ever. That was one of the last. That was the last time I ever fucked with anything like that. I mean, it was only because I got prescribed it. I would have never had any desire for that stuff, right? Unless the doctor prescribed it to me. Yeah, <clears> that's kind of kind of how it was for me, man. Like I didn't. It wasn't like I went out one day and was like, man, let me get some heroin. Because that's basically what the pills are. It's just the synthetic form. And I I didn't like it either when I did it, man. And then, like, I don't know. I guess it's because I have that gene in me or whatever. I have, like, an addictive personality. Mm -hmm. And at that point, like, in my life, like, things weren't going great. Like, they were going great because I could pay my own bills, make money, and do all that stuff. But, like, internally like spiritually it wasn't going great. Like mm-hmm. I, I hated who I was. I hated the life I was living, but I just couldn't see it any other way at that mm-hmm. point in my life. It was like, you know, tunnel vision. Mm-hmm. And so when we moved to Tampa, we went, we were going to the doctors. Well, we had just moved into that condo I was telling you about. And when the day, like after we moved in, I had to go take like five people to the doctor. So I go do all that. I get like what they owe me. I get my shit. And I'm on my way home. I, I get home and there's this chick that's been hanging out, I guess, with my girlfriend that lives like in the same place as us. And so I had some people coming over. So I was like, yo, you need like, who is this chick? Like, get her out of here. You know what I mean? Because I didn't want her to see everything that was going on. Right. So she tells uh, she gets the keys and tells me, well, I'm going to go do laundry at the laundromat and grab something to eat with her. I'm going to bring her with me. And I'm like, all right, whatever. So my, they leave, my friends come over, I do what I have to do. And then like probably an hour later they come back and like, right when she walked in the door, I could tell something was off. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't like, you know, when something's off with your girl, you know what I mean? So I was like, well, I could, I was asking her and she was just playing it off. Like, Oh, nothing, nothing. And then like five minutes later, there's a knock at the door. So I'm like, Oh, I'm thinking it's somebody like that needed more stuff or, or whatever and just forgot it or something. So I answered the door and when I answered the door, it was a cop and she's like, is so-and-so here? And like the, it was a small condo. So he, she, he can see her standing behind me in the living room. So when they were out at Chili's, they left and they rear ended someone at a stoplight and then took off. Didn't stay because I guess she had a suspended license mm. and I didn't know it, but she knew it. And that's why she took off and someone got her plate. So they were there to arrest her. So they're taking her to jail. Um, I tell the girl like, Hey, you got to go. I got to bond her out. I got to figure out all this. So she leaves. I call the bondsman. They're like, it's just a minor charge. She'll be released at like 6am. So I took a bunch of Xanax and went to sleep. So the next morning I wake up to get ready to go get her. I go out in my living room and the girl that I told to leave is on the couch with like pills all over the coffee table, pills on the ground. And I'm the first thing that went off in my head was like, dude, this chick's trying to rob me when I was asleep and took too many pills and passed out or whatever. So I go over to wake her up. And right when I touch her to wake up, she starts going into convulsions and like flopping violently, like on my couch. So I'm freaking out, bro. I'm there's so much shit in my apartment. I got weed, a safe full of shit, pills all over now. I don't even know how that happened. So as this is all going on and I'm trying to pick up and put the drugs back in the right bottles, there's a knock at my door. So I'm like, while she's convulsing. Yeah, like seven o'clock in the morning, man. 
So I'm like, I'm tripping. So I'm like, fuck, I go answer the door. And when I answered the door, it was her grandma. And she's like, have you seen so-and-so? And I'm like, move out of the way. And she can look on my couch and, and see her granddaughter. So I'm like, oh my gosh. She's like, call 911. And I haven't put the pills in their correct bottle. So I'm like freaking out. I don't want the cops there. You know, I don't want all this shit to be under investigation. Yeah, right. So... I, I dial 511 on the phone and I'm like, 911's not answering to her grandma. And she's like, what? Because I'm like paranoid. So I'm just like, man, like I'm a good dude. You know what I mean? I'm not like I was doing some shitty things in life. But when it all comes down to it, like I have a good heart. I'm a good person. So I'm not going to let this chick die on my couch because I'm, you know, worried about getting arrested. So I called 911. They all like, I would say 10 or 11 cop cars came into the complex, two ambulances. She gets taken out in the ambulance. Now the cops are in my house. They're doing their thing. They're picking up every pill that's not in the right container and they're putting it into bags by the pills. So like Xanax, oxycodone, shit like that. And the cop, the detectives are questioning me. They already knew about me too. You know what I'm saying? Like I've already been pulled over by some of these cops and let go because at that time, you could have pills on you as long as they were prescribed to you. So there wasn't really shit legally they could do. But they knew. You know what I mean? They yeah. knew what was going on. <clears throat> Hold on one sec. All right. So so they knew what was going on. And they, they were like, they wanted to get me. And this was just their perfect opportunity to not only be in front of me, but in my house where there's tons of shit going on. Right, right. <clears throat> so the detectives, like, they're they're being assholes, telling me I'm I'm screwed, you're going to jail, da-da-da, which I already knew I was going to go to jail. But So as they're, like, talking all this shit, they're like, that girl just died in the ambulance, you're fucked. And I was like, what? And, and like, I was, like, in shock, right? So he arrests me. They arrest me on sales and delivery of alprazolam, trafficking, oxycodone, a delivery charge of some other, I think it was a muscle relaxer. I forget. And so the whole time I'm thinking this girl's dead in the ambulance. I go to jail. When I get to the jail, there's like cameras on me, like the news stations were there. And so I knew like this was like serious, man. And I was freaking out. So... I go to jail. I can't. She's still on life support. At the, she didn't die. The cops were saying that thinking I would like have a mental breakdown and mm. tell them everything. Right. But there wasn't really anything to tell them other than what had happened. Right. But they had it in their mind, I think, <clears throat> that they wanted to get me on every little thing. And that's what they did at first. They charged me with like eight different charges. And I'm in jail. She's on life support. I'm here talking to an attorney telling me if she dies, I'm going to get capital murder and all this crazy shit. So... She ends up pulling out. She she ends up living. They take her off life support. They question her and everything. I'm sitting in jail. I bond out while all this is going on, and she just disappears. Like the she wouldn't show up to depositions. She wouldn't come to court and say like she wouldn't say anything, man. So she had moved, and I forget where she moved, but it was far away, and kind of just like detached herself from the whole thing because her family, I guess you know, didn't want anything to do with it. And so I fought this case, like, you know, back and forth for like a year and a half, they were changing, like, this is how they would do it. They would give you a trafficking of oxycodone and then let you sit in jail until they could leave, like by the statute, formally charge you with that and bring you to court. And then right before that would happen, they wouldn't. And then they changed the charge from trafficking to sales. So now they can keep you again 
if you're in jail and you can't bond out or you don't have a bond on those charges because they're like giving themselves enough time to to build their case basically mm-hmm. even if they don't have one they're going to bluff and you know tell you they do right and that's how the system works man like that's and it works because they keep people in jail they know don't have the resources to get out Mm-hmm. And then when they're in there for a while, the first time they come at you with something crazy, like five years, then you sit in for like three months. Then they're like, oh, you know, 48 months or four and a half years or whatever. And they just keep doing that. And, and they even if they don't have a case, they don't pull you out and say, hey, we're our bad. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, right, right. Like they just they just that's what they do, man. And that's what they did to me. And I, you know, I didn't even want to plead guilty to anything like the sales charges or anything because they didn't really have me on a sales charge. You know what I'm saying? They just thought, Mm -hmm. but that's not enough. But then, you know, after sitting in there for a year, they came in with five, they came in with like three and a half. And they finally said 28 months, no probation afterwards, you'll be done. Mm -hmm. And I already had like so much time in. So I was like, all right. So I took the 28 months and went to prison in uh, the state of Florida. 28 months and you were in a state prison. Yeah. I hear state pri- state prisons are way worse than the federal prisons. I mean, I've we had a guy I've here, Jake. They, we had Jake in here, and yeah. he was in he was in Florida state prisons for mm-hmm. a long time, and and uh, this guy was in for same close to the same thing you were doing. He, except this guy, like he robbed a pharmacy and stole a bunch of oxys, and he was in prison for like I think total close to seven years mm-hmm. in different places. But he said the state prison, especially in Florida, was the worst experience yeah. he ever had. Yeah, it's bad, man. Like violence and just fucking Lord of the Flies type shit. Yeah, yeah, the hills have eyes type shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, the first time I went to prison, man, like I'm not even going to lie, it wasn't that bad for me because mm-hmm. you, when you get to state prison, you go to a reception center, and that's where the state decides how they're going to classify you in the prison system depending on you know your charges and everything. So what everybody wants when they get to prison is to be a permanent at a transit, like at the, the reception center, because you can make a lot of money because you got inmates coming in. Right. And if you're a permanent, you already have like, you know, a, a line for cigarettes and, and K2 is what they all smoke. And yeah. Whatever. So when the transits come in from jail, a lot of them been sitting in jail for like eight, nine, 10 months, sometimes more. The first thing they want to do when they get to prison is get high or smoke cigarettes or do all the shit they couldn't do in jail that now they can do in prison. Right. So when I got there, I luckily became a permanent at the work camp, which was in Orlando. So, and that's like an hour and a half from where I was living. And my girl was still going at that time. I was going to like, you know, five doctors shoot me money in prison. And then I found out through a guy that worked on outside grounds. They called it. It's like a, where you take care of the outside of the prison, you mm-hmm. go to like some other places too. So he was working out there and his girl lived <clears throat> actually in Pinellas, right? So he was like, bro, we need to do something. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, bro, we could be making money in here. This is the fucking lawn guy at the prison? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was in my dorm too. We just happened to like get the same job. And our both our girlfriends at that time lived in the same county. So I was like, so he's like, I, I can show you something. And I'm like, all right, what's up? So we're on lunch one day and we're talking and he's telling me how he's getting pills in through visitation. Right. So I'm like, okay. I was like, doesn't your girl live in Pinellas? And he's like, yeah. I was like, my girl will pick her up and bring her Saturday to visit us. If your girl shows my girl what she's doing. Right. 
so I could get him in. So they, you know, she picks her up, right? I'm in the visitation, right? And you, when you go in, you get strip searched mm. before you even go in. Like the girls, when they're coming in, they don't really get strip searched. You just have to like shake your bra and uh, like, you know, I think they take off their pants, but leave their underwear on or something like that. So yeah. <clears throat> I change out, I go in, I say, what's up to her. We go over, we buy some food. We go out on the picnic table. And when I'm sitting on the picnic table, she just slides over in a cellophane, like 10 blues, a couple Xanax, which a blue on the street at that time was like eight, $10. But in, what is a blue? An oxycodone 30. Oxycodone 30 is a blue. Yeah. Okay. It's, That's what they call blue boys. <laughs> yeah. Is that yeah. true? Have you uh, heard that? I haven't heard that okay, one. I've right. called. I mean, I've heard it called a bunch of things. Okay, I'm right. sure they did though, man. Yeah. So, all right. Um. Yeah, they're the like littlest blue pill, man, and but they pack a punch. Like, really? Yeah. You would not not think it. You know what I mean? Until you actually take it. So, so what are those worth in prison? I was getting eighty five dollars for them, but that was low, man. Like I could have probably gotten more. Um and. You know, they go more up north. So pills down here are like the cheapest at that time. Mm -hmm. If I take that same pill to Kentucky and I sell it in Kentucky, it's a dollar a milligram. Wow. So that, I mean, I ended up doing that too, but we can get into that later. But the prison, so we're, she slides me the pills. I do what I got to do, bring them back to the dorm and I sell a couple. And the next thing I know, like I got people from other dorms coming to me like, yo, what's up with them things and da, 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 da. <laughs> So I had met another dude that worked on an outside grounds like place, but it was in the city of Orlando and they had like a sweet ass officer that used to like take them around to all their jobs. So he, he would let them go off and kind of do what they wanted. So I had the girl drive to that spot where this dude was working that was in my dorm and drop off a lot more. You know what I mean? Cause he would bring them in. So it was different than me in visitation where I right, really, right. you know, I didn't have anywhere to put them. So it was kind of, this guy could just freely come into the prison and just, well, he would sneak them in. He, there was a rear gate guy that worked the rear gate. When you come in on the vans, you got to get strip searched and shit. But if you know the, the guy at the gate, they take the trash from the chow hall down to the rear gate to let the, like the guys come pick up the trash. So he would use the trash like he was wheeling down old trash, right? Throw the old trash, and then he would grab the shit from the dude at the rear gate, put it in the trash, and bring it back into the prison. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's probably too much detail. I don't yeah, want to give anyone insane. any ideas. Yeah. So, I mean, like, the main thing <clears throat> that I don't understand, I, that I can't wrap my head around, like, the whole, the whole thing is people like you – you're going to these doctors and you're getting all these pills, but they're already so readily available at the doctors. Like if you want them, why can't you just go to another doctor and get a prescription? Like it's, a, it's amazing to me that there's a, such an underground market, such a, like an illegal market for these pills when they're so legally available. Like you mean back then you could just go to a doctor and get them? Yeah, because it feels like there's so many doctors. I mean, Purdue Pharma was the one that was selling these to the doctor's yeah. offices, right? Yeah. <clears throat> and they were incentivizing them to push them out as much as possible. So if they're so readily so readily available legally, how is there such a big underground market for them? Because not everybody could get them. Like it wasn't that easy. Like you had to have an MRI that was legit, which mm -hmm. people make fake MRIs, but you had to have an MRI. And like there was so many doctors, but it was mostly like people at those doctors that go every month and they're like, you know, every month patients. So mm -hmm. when you're a new person and you're trying to go in, first of all, none of these doctors accept anything but cash. 
So you can't use a really nothing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it, a first visit, if they wanted to, they could charge you $800. Like it's whatever they wanted. So that's what would keep people because they would be on pills and can't save up that much money to go to the doctor. And that's where like I or, you know, one of my friends would come in and they would pay for them for everything. So insurance wouldn't pay for any of this stuff? No, no. Really? I mean, you could if you were like older, I think. you could. Mm-hmm. I never had insurance pay for anything. So when you go to the pharmacy, you're talking to the pharmacist like me and you are going out to buy weed on the street. They're like, oh, you want generic? I'm like, yeah, whatever. What's cheaper? <laughs> He's like, well, if you do the generic, I'll do them for $1.19 a piece. <laughs> if you get the, you know, there was, it was like. Wow. Yeah, it was like a drug deal, basically. Wow. Yeah. That's insane, man. Yeah, and when you go to these doctors, man, like, you, everybody knew what time it was. Like, there's people, you know, shitting on themselves because they're sick, throwing right. up in the parking lot. <clears throat> and you, there was a, at a point where I'm telling you about the Kentucky thing is that I met a, a lady who had a son that lived in Kentucky. So I started taking the pills up there to sell them for a dollar a milligram. And well, Now, how much of an of a increase was that? In your profit was like, that like doubling your money or was it yeah oh uh, no it was like tripling it tripling really it. yeah well depending because if i buy like you know let's say i buy also will you turn the air down it's fucking hot <clears throat> so if i if i say i buy a 500 pills off somebody that went to the doctor and i get a good deal on them let's i mean we could just say let's say 10 a piece that's not a good deal but it's easy so I buy all those pills for, you know, let's say five grand or or whatever it is. If I go up to Kentucky, now I'm making $30 a pill versus 10. Mm. So you're doubling your money on everything. Wow. Yeah. So it's like, and they would charge more. They were going for like 60 at one point up in uh, Kentucky. And even down here, they they went up, but not like that. What do you think is the, the biggest problem with like the last 20 years with the opioid crisis and all the, all the addiction, all the people that died and all the overdoses. I mean, it's really, it's, it's kind of, it kind of clouds the whole argument over legalize all drugs. Well, yeah. Cause you know what I mean? Dying. Because so <clears throat> with all the people that were dying from, from oxy oxys and, and the, you know, people, doctors over prescribing all these painkillers. Do you think it was because, they were, were. Is it true that they weren't warning people that like, hey, this is really addictive, this is really dangerous, yeah. or did these people know this already? I, they weren't warning. They weren't warning anyone. Yeah. Like I never had a doctor say, hey, yo, you could die from these. They were just like, bro, it was so. I think why you kept, knew right because you knew you knew people personally that had died. Yeah, like my two <laughs> friends, and then uh, countless other people that have died from it. But I think, man, that money money will money will change anybody man mm-hmm. like you can and these are people that never were going to have money in life and now all of a sudden they're making 20 grand a month mm-hmm. so whoever sees whoever they know that knows them is going to see that and then they're going to want to turn around and do the same thing and i think that's just what happened is so many people got <clears throat> like uh, hooked on the game and got into the game and everything with the pills and it just like I don't think anybody saw it coming. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like mm-hmm. how powerful the pills are. Cause they, I mean, it's like crack, man. Like they have that much power, except maybe even more because when you don't have crack, like you can get through that. If you don't have pills, like you're dope sick, mm-hmm. which is like the flu times, you know, 20 for like, you know, seven to 10 days, depending on 
like what your tolerance yeah. was. Yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, the right approach would be to tell somebody if they're gonna, if you're gonna give, if you're a doctor and you're prescribing these people, you gotta be like, look, this is what's gonna happen if you take too, if you take this many, yeah. and you get, you're gonna get high chance, you're gonna get addicted to it, and if you get addicted to it, this is what's gonna happen. You're gonna feel like fucking death for ten yeah, days yeah. after. <laughs> that would probably, you know. You might take a little bit longer to make your decision if that was the case. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but I think it affected those doctors the same way with all the money. I mean, they're making oh, yeah, exponential bro. amount of money just prescribing pills legally as many as they want to everybody. You right. know, and a lot of those doctors ended up going to prison as well. Yeah, they did. It's funny that you bring that up because I remember there was this doctor that was giving me like 330s, <clears throat> 480 uh, right. oxy, oxycodone. Yeah. So we're in the office one day and he's like, you know, he's writing me on my scripts, talking to me like he was a, he was a character, man. So he, he hands the nurse the script. She goes out to copy them. He walks out of the room. I walk out of the room. He goes in his office by the, before I could walk through past his office in the hallway, he was like, Hey, come here. So I'm like, all right. So I go in this dude's office. He has like three monitors set up on his desk. And this was before that was a thing. You know what I mean? Just because he was making so much money. Yeah, they're balling. Yeah, crazy. He's doing stocks on one monitor. Yeah. and he's fucking- Even better, bro. He co- I go in the office and he's like, yo, check this out. And he moves the mouse to, you know, make the screens pop. And there's three screens filled with mail order brides from three different countries. And he's like, what do you think of this one? She's fine, huh? I'm like, what? Nice. So the guys and the guys ordering brides, he's got an MRI machine in the parking lot in a van. So that way when people come to him and they don't have their MRI, he sends them downstairs. They go into this van. A guy will take an MRI off a 60 year old that has, you know, back hip problems and copy it on to the 20-year-old that just went out in the van. And then he turns around, goes back up, and sees the doctor and gets the mm-hmm. pills. Wow. And He's then the doctor right. refers you to his friend, who's the pharmacist, exactly. where you or fill your prescription. Yeah. Right. Or they'll literally have their own pharmacy at mm. the doctor. So and he probably has a Ferrari parked out back. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, bro. I mean, they were busting doctors with, like, yachts and yeah. fucking money over shores and shit. They were, I mean... If you think about it, if we if us three went to the doctor, right, it's a hundred dollars a visit after you pay for the initial visit. They book their patients at eight patients can fit into one hour. Right. So it's like every ten minutes or not less than that even. Yeah, like I forget what it is, but like eight an hour. There's like six so sixty four patients in a day at a hundred dollars a pop cash. Cash money. So it ain't on nothing. Like That's just for the appointments. Just for the appointments, yeah. And th- and then they would, you know, they'd hit you with other shit, too. Like, I mean, some of them were corrupt. So they would be like, today uh-huh. it's 200. If you yeah. don't have it, you don't have it. You're not getting seen. Yeah. And mm-hmm. when you're in that shit and you got five people in the car in the parking lot waiting on you, you know what I mean? So do you remember the story from the, uh, the HBO documentary where there's the guy in Florida and one of the sales reps from Purdue Pharma went down to meet her, meet him and, uh, they basically wanted to like test their new, their new pills. And, and you know, they were, they kept trying to figure out how they're going to make more money, how they're going to, you know, at this point they're making like $3 billion a year. So they find this guy who's been in like a crazy car accident, had crazy like spinal surgery and he had like a super high tolerance. So this, this sales rep went down to go meet this guy and like, uh, I think it was Naples, Florida. And, uh, about right. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and they started giving him like, uh, the 30 milligrams, like, okay, take 20, 30 milligram tablets a day. Starts like a doing lab that. rat? 
Yeah, kind of like a lab rat. <laughs> and they were giving him for free. She like met him in the parking lot of the uh, of the. The clinic. I see that? That's cr- that's how I don't doubt that though one bit, man. And he's like, "Yeah, hell yeah, I'll do it." He's like, "I'll take this stuff." Yeah, it's called OxyContin. Okay, sure, I'll yeah. try it. And then he's like, "This is not doing anything for me." Like, okay, they will give him fifty milligrams. Started giving him 20, 50 milligram tablets a day. Still not doing anything. So they up him to like a hundred milligram tablets. Take twenty a day. And after everything, they they give him the they give him the biggest dose they ever created, which was a hundred and sixty milligram tablets. I've seen those. And he's like, "I'm eating." They told me to take two. I'll t- take 25 tablets twice a day of 160 milligram oh, Jesus tablets. Christ. He's like, it took me 15 minutes to, to eat, take all the pills? to eat these pills. Oh He's God. like, it was like eating a giant bowl of Cheerios. He's like, it it was took 30 minutes total to eat 50 pills a day. That's crazy. I can't man. believe he lived to tell that story. And he's oh, on the documentary just talking about it. It's so fucking crazy. It just reminds me of like so many different Florida men that we've run into. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, down here, it seemed like it was worse than... Like, we were the last state to get the database, if that tells you anything. And that's because... What is the database? So, the database is, if me and you go to Dr you know, Bob on Monday, mm. we can't turn around within that 30 day period and go to another doctor and get narcotics prescribed, especially not the same ones. And if you do, when you go to the pharmacy and they put your name into the database, if they see that you bend it too, you're automatically red flagged in the mm-hmm. system and you can't fill anything else. And usually they're calling the DEA after that too. Okay. That's why I, that's where it all came to an end for me, man. When I was in prison selling the pills, doing the shit in there. And the like what prison I landed at was, it was like a sweet camp. So there wasn't like, there was violence and shit, but not to like a crazy level to where you're like, Mm -hmm. all right, like this is real in the battlefield. But so I got out of prison that time. Um, I go back, I'm living with the same chick when I, that I went in with and she's been going to multiple doctors and it was like a month I had been out, I think. And we end up going to one of her doctors. We go upstairs, go to the doctor, go downstairs to the pharmacy. She hands him the stuff. And like 10 minutes later, he comes back and he's like, you went to this doctor, this doctor, and he had all her shit. So it was like at that point where I was like, yo, what the fuck am I going to do? Cause I had been planning on doing this like the rest of my life. Really? <laughs> yeah. Like cause of the money. And then, you know, I became addicted to them. So I was like, well, I'll just keep selling them, make the ones I take for free and then just make a right. little money. And I mean, not a, not a little, it was a lot at first. Like it was a lot of money at first actually. Um, but later on, like when the pill mills were getting busted, the price of pills was going up on the street because, the price to fill them in the pharmacy was going up. I mean, it got to like $6 a pill one time in a pharmacy, which that's like street prices back a year mm-hmm. before that. You know what I yeah. mean? So um, it was at that point where I was like, I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do. So obviously I saw one doctor still and kept getting my scripts from them, filling them, selling them, keeping some, you know, dealing other drugs now. And then it was like just to the point where, Like, I didn't give a fuck. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't give a, like, at first I was selling the pills and doing shit like that, but it got to the point where, like, nobody wanted to hang out with me because I was just, like, I was just jackboying people's shit. Like, I'd be like, oh, you want 100 pills? Yeah, all right, meet me at 7-Eleven. And then they'd get in the car, and I'd fucking yoke them up and pass them out and then push them out the door, grab all their shit, and keep going. Oh, shit. Yeah, that was one time. I did that to a kid out of doctors, too, bro, after he got his shit. Jesus. Yeah, so it became, like, 
like savage mentality. And that, and this was all due to, you know, me being in the car wreck, then starting to take a little. And that's how quick, man. It like, I didn't even notice when, like it went from a problem, you know, what it for went from making money to a problem. Like mm. me personally, I could see it in everybody else and I could be like, Oh, he's fucked up. Oh, she's, she's wasted or whatever. Mm-hmm. And watch other people's life, like go down the shambles. But mm. I wasn't seeing it in my own life at that point. So I just kept selling drugs, robbing people, you know, doing anything to, to make money on the street. And then finally <clears throat> I got, hit again with like a grand theft and like three new sales sales uh, charges. I got the grand theft because I fronted a chick like so many pills to go down to Miami. She was doing like some photo shoot and sell them and then come back and bring me the money. Well, when she came back, she didn't have the money or the pills. So I was in her apartment and I'm just like, look, when you pay me, you'll get your shit back. And I reached over and grabbed like a Movado watch and some, some type of camera. I didn't know anything mm-hmm. about cameras then. But yeah. So I go home within 10 hours, the cops are at my house. She called the cops and said, I just took the shit. Nothing about, you know, me owing her or her owing me money, none mm-hmm. of that. So I go to jail. I bond out on those charges. So then I'm at this house, like selling all night. I go to leave and I guess like it was a known like house. So cops were down the road waiting for people to leave. And they got me with the three uh, sales charges because they were in bags and shit oh, when they fuck. got me. Yeah. And, and I had cocaine on me too, I think, crack cocaine. Um, so then I go to jail and now I can't bond out because I was already out on a bond. And when you catch new charges, they pull all your bonds. So you can't get out until you go to court and see the judge. And he decides like, you know, what he's going to do with it. Right. So I sat in jail. Um, I got the same attorney I did the first time. And this time, like they came at three, like two and a half. And then I took, uh, uh, 18 months when I went to prison this time, though, it was a lot different. So I went to their same reception center and I'm like, yeah, this is going to be sweet. I'm just going to stay here. One night they come over, kick my bunk and they tell me I'm, you know, I'm being transferred to one of the 160 prisons in the state of Florida. So at the, you never want to 160 yeah, prisons in Florida. I mean, I don't know if that's the exact number, but it's over. It's like 130, 150, somewhere around there. Can you find that? That's it's, fucking crazy. Yeah. Well, their work. Camp, is there even that many counties in Florida? I mean, there's, I think there's mm. like counties with there. Well, Sumter uh, right up the road has like mm. Coleman feds, Sumter right. prison, the JIT camp, <clears throat> 143 facilities statewide. Yeah. I knew it was up there. 50 correctional institutions, seven private partner facilities, 16 annexes and 33 work camps, three reentry centers, 12 FDC operated work release centers, 18 private work release centers, Two road prisons, one forestry camp, and one basic training camp. Jesus Christ. <laughs> they got it all. The smorgasbord that of prisons. That just says something to you, though, right? That's yeah. an industry. Like, bro, yeah. we're like... That's insane. I know, man. Tell me mm-hmm. about it. So, I mean, that that's kind of right. Florida is not... Like, when you look anything up on prison about, like, you know, in Florida, mm-hmm. th- none of their shit's correct. So, they have all those camps, but usually at every camp, there's a main unit, and there's an annex, and there's a work camp. So the main unit in the annex will hold any type of prisoner. You're, you know, someone that killed 50 people or you can be in there for, you know, two ounces of weed. Like there's no like system in Florida to where like, okay, they're murderers. I'm going to keep away like the drug addicts or the, you know, right away from them. It's not like that. So you like literally the, when I was in the reception center, the dude that was my bunkie had a life sentence and he was like 23. 
Damn. So well, they'll what put did he had life sentence for uh, armed home invasion. <sighs> he had just got out of prison and then committed oh, an armed fuck. home invasion. Yeah. So I mean, not too bright, but and then in Florida they have PRR. So when you get released from prison. If within three years you commit, like, um, aggravated battery, burglary, I think, of an occupied dwelling, there's certain charges, right? <clears throat> they can give you a day for day what that charge carries. So if you get out and commit a second-degree felony, that's PRR, now a second-degree felony usually carries 10 years in prison, 10 to 15, I think. So now you're getting that with no gain time, nothing. And there's no way around it because it's God a law. damn, bro. What yeah. is this? That's oh. the PRR in Florida. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so a second degree is 15. You get five for a third. That's insane, man. And there's a lot of people in prison, bro, that are doing like 30 years because of that law right there. And it wasn't, it was like, you know. Were most of the people that you met in there in there for drugs? I would say 90% of the people. 90%. I met, yeah, are in there because they were doing drugs, selling drugs, or you know, we're caught up in some type Mostly of pills. Uh, I mean, yeah, pills were big. I think more <clears throat> at that time, uh, in like the white, white trash, the, you know, white suburban, that was really where the pills like really started to like, you mm-hmm. know, destroy that community. And right. then I think over time they, you know, in the ghetto started getting them. Cause back then, you know, you didn't go to the, the ghetto to buy pills or the hood or whatever you want to call it. Right. You know, you would go to fucking Matt's house in Innersbrook mm-hmm. and his dad would have a script. And yeah. that's how it, it kind of went yeah. for a while. And then the next thing you know, like, it just was everywhere, man. Like, there was like. Yeah, man. It was crazy. Like, watching that documentary and seeing all the fucked yeah. up people. Like, all like the fucking the picture of those two people, the parents in their car, like slumped over, passed yeah, out. Yeah, I saw that. And the kid is awake in the car seat in the back. Like, yeah. That's Jesus sad, fucking Christ. I'm like, this isn't a very good argument for uh, legalize all drugs. Hmm. No. I was like, whoa, how the fuck does this work? Right, like, but those were legal drugs. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. They were that's perfectly the legal that's drugs. That's the fucked up part. And yeah. that's what they were doing. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Usually it's when they make drugs illegal and there's a whole underground, you know, illegal right. fucking market for them with cartels and whatever it is. That's usually how the bad shit happens. And this is completely legal. There's, these are doctors that are giving people all these drugs and this is what's happening. Yeah. All for money, man. Mm -hmm. You saw it was all about money. Yeah. Yeah. Purdue was like literally lying. Like they weren't even telling. Oh yeah. Like they were passing like, you know, they'd have to go get this drug tested. They're paying off the dude testing them. And you, we don't know the long term effects and now you see it. You know what I mean? Now we're, you know, 10, 15 years later, and usually somebody you know is either an addict or they know an addict. And it will, and it's just they're everywhere, man. The cr- one of the crazy things about that whole Purdue thing was in 2007, I think it was when they had to pay their first settlement. And it was like thir- $30 million bucks, I think they had to pay. Yeah, it's nothing. And they were making like $3 billion, three, $3 billion a year. They had like yeah. their, their record year after, right after that. And that's, crazy. that's when, when that happened, that sparked all those other companies to start up and start doing the same thing right, because they're like, that they're fine. like, holy shit, they just got away with this. Yeah. We're going to go do the same thing. Are you kidding me? I'll pay 30 million for every billion. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right? Right. No problem. That's more than selling the pills. I mean, you are the, you're the connect at that point. Right. So you make the prices at Purdue, man. There was a time when they were, like, getting under investigation and they were starting to get, like, maybe it was around the 2007. I can't yeah. really remember. 
but you could literally like mail your doctor would mail your scripts and then they would send you the pills in the mail and they were like not generic. They were the real ones. So you can make more money and they would just like show up in your mailbox. Like it was literally like Amazon, but with pills, you know <laughs> oh what I mean? Oh my God. Dude. Yeah, dude, it was nuts. And that like what he was saying, man, they're legal. So right. Right. I was getting pulled over, fucked up driving, had pills all on me. Passengers had pills the cops knew what was going on, but they just couldn't do anything. Can't do nothing. You had a prescription. Right. right. It's got your name on it. And then they, they started to, like, get hip to that. They started to see that. So then you would get pulled over, and they were able to count your pills. So mm-hmm. if you got them on Monday, mm. there should be this many in here. And that's kind of what they went to. But with the town I was in, man, the sheriff, the whole, like, police department— the mayor of the town that I grew up in is sitting in prison right now because he was selling crack and doing meth and heroin and all this shit, and the cops raided his house, and he fired off a gun. So now he's in prison. That was the mayor of the town I grew up in. So if that, well, Who was he? Um, I forget. His, I did an episode. Ocala? On no. Uh, Newport Ritchie. Oh, Newport Ritchie. Okay. Yeah, okay. he was all on the news and shit, but he's like, he was a drug act. He was selling drugs, and he was doing prostitutes. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's crazy This story. dude was a fucking, a real Florida mayor. Hey, we, should look <laughs> that guy. Exactly. we should look that guy up. That's insane. I forget his name. I'll, I'll figure it out by the time we're done, but. Yeah, I mean, the, I mean. They were getting away with it. I mean, the government let them. They gave them the fucking the green light to do it by by making them get away with a thirty million dollar settlement. Yeah, well, you got to think, man. That those companies like Purdue and you know whatever I forget all the other ones, but they're paying for politicians' campaigns. Right, they're backing campaigns with tens and hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah, that's why Rick Scott was the he was the what governor or something. Yeah, yeah, the governor. Yeah, and he wouldn't pass the database. Yeah. Because he's probably got someone on the phone with him back in the back saying, if you pass this shit, you're done. Because mm-hmm. yeah. there's billions, bro. I mean, right. There's money. And there's the no, line. there's no, makes no sense to not have that database in Florida when they got it everywhere else. When like, why? Why yeah. would you, hey, we don't there's, want that here. Exactly. <laughs> but bro. why? So, I think the company he, he was partnered into paid out like the biggest pharmaceutical settlement of all time. Purdue paid out the biggest, right? They yeah. just paid billion. They just what happened to Purdue? What's the? I they, don't even know what. The maybe latest. he was part of Purdue. They shut Purdue down. I know they that shut it down. Right? Of, this was recently. Yeah, it was because of deaths. I think it wasn't because like there was a medical thing. It was it was because people were dying. Like mm. our there were, like I was saying, like eight Floridians. I I mean you could probably look it up, but eight Floridians a day were dying due to overdose of yeah. opiates. And mm. then I wonder what happened to the guys who own Purdue. The two guys, what was their last name? They ha- Their names are on, like, the most prestigious museums in New York. Yeah, like they- that's what got me, bro. Imagine how many bodies those dudes have right. from, mm. like, selling those pills and killing people. Mm. Like, yeah. And then they have a fucking monument. Oh, yeah. They've, they've, they've fucking donated money to these museums, and they have their names inscribed in some of the most, like, infamous museums around the, around the country. Well, that just shows you where our country's at. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, rewarding. I wonder where those guys are now. I don't know, but they're probably on a fucking island somewhere with a boatload of money. Like, you know they like... With the, they're hanging out with the CEO of Enron. Yeah. yeah, they probably had so many people like Epstein did that they could just like freaking, mm-hmm. you know, oh, you didn't know about this? Like, so right. they probably... They I had don't so know. much dirt on people. Yeah. And again, uh, addition with that is the FDA, They they the people that worked for the FDA ended up a year later working for them. They had people that were FDA that. employees that they hired to work for, for Purdue. 
Oh yeah, yeah. To approve their shit, right? To approve yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. I saw that. That's <laughs> yeah. That's crazy, man. So I just saw something recently too. Um, I forget where I saw. I saw it somewhere on Twitter. I think I might have saved a screenshot of it somewhere. But it was saying that currently seventy five percent of the FDA's review budget is paid for by like Pfizer and Johnson and Johnson. Right. That's kind of creepy, dude. Like. That's insane. Yeah, bro. That is that is definitely insane. I got to find That's it. That's 75? Yeah, I think that was it. Let me find it right now. I know that Florida, or maybe it was the United States as a whole, but had the most like opioid prescriptions prescribed. I think it was Florida. We had the most. To be. Yeah. <laughs> so they were literally just like giving the shit out. Yeah, bro. It's fucking insane. That's what Purdue did, man. It said, we're not going to tell you about it. We're just going to give you this pill. Mm -hmm. And it literally would make your pain go away and you would feel good. But not knowing the whole time, like, you're going to sink your claws into them. Here it is. Biopharmaceutical industry. The the whole biopharmaceutical industry provides 75% 75 of the FDA's drug review budget. That's posted in Forbes by John... La Matina. That's corruption right there, bro. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't get much, like, noticeable than that. But YouTube, yes, today, or today or yesterday, they announced that they, uh, they're, they're, they used to, uh, like, suppress videos that talked about, like, misinformation, like, about the vaccine. If you talk about the vaccine or say, talk about, like, any kind of bad side effects, now they'll delete the videos. They used to shadow ban it. Now, mm-hmm. now as of today, they said they're going to start deleting all those videos. Yeah, if you talk about like COVID or yeah. certain topics. Yeah. yeah so I this video know. will probably be deleted by next time. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Don't talk bad about the FDA. Yeah, I know, right? Um, so yeah, man, it just like it it got bad for a minute. You know what I mean? And I ended up getting sentenced to prison again. And like I was saying, like I ended up going when I was in the chow <laughs> hall at the at the um, the reception center. The officers are all walking back and forth with files because there's a bunch of Bluebird buses lined up ready to take us to one of our, you know, glorious destinations in Florida. <laughs> yeah. So when we're in there, I'm like, yo, Sarge, where are we going? Because I'm like, you know what camps like we call them camps in Florida. They're not like, you know, people watch it probably think like day camp or some shit. Right. But these are violent places. They just happen to be called camps. So, mm-hmm. you know, you hear about when you're in the reception, when you're in jail Cause people will be coming back from prison or you'll just hear it like on the wire, like, Oh, this prison's sweet. You can do this and this. So there's always like three prisons that are sweet in the state of Florida. So when everybody's waiting to go there, they're always like, man, I hope I'm going here. I hope I'm Mm -hmm. going there. So we're in the chow hall and I'm like, yo, Sarge, where are we going? And we're all sitting down the table. He's like, you don't want to know where you're going. (laughs) I was like, bro, like, where am I going? Like, what? I don't understand. What do you mean? (laughs) He's like, you're going to the Gulf. Which is like uh, the golf. Yeah, they call it the golf. It's a uh, golf correctional. It's it's a violent camp, man. So I I didn't know like how bad it was when he said that. I figured, oh, he's just trying to like boo me up and scare me and shit. Mm-hmm. So we we drive like eight. I forget how long it took, but we get to the prison up in the Panhandle, like close to Georgia, Alabama area, mm-hmm. and we get off the bus. Like four or five redneck hillbilly fat obese the women look like dudes you know you could put three teeth you know between the five of them to make a you know <laughs> and they come over and they, they were all standing in a line and they say welcome to we Hitchka, florida and we gon' hit you and then they just like started screaming in our face like get your shit get to the fucking like 
it's like a boot camp. They run Florida like a military kind of in prison. So they're all with the in your face, like, oh, you want to I fuck me, motherfucker? Like right in your face looking at you. And that's really like, well, first when he, when they said that, I was like, yo, where the fuck am I at? I felt yeah. like I was in. What did he say? What did he say it was? What was the town called? Weewa Hitchka? Yeah, the uh, the prison's in a town called Weewa Hitchka. Weewa Hitchka. Yeah. Okay. So he said, welcome to Weewa Hitchka, and we gon' hit you. Meaning, like, we're going to beat your ass, like, whenever we get the chance. And they weren't lying about that. They should put that on the sign when you pull, when you drive through. For real, road, right? right? <laughs> well, there was supposedly, like, all these, like, rumors, like, the KKK, a lot of the officers were KKK Oh, I'm members. sure they are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's, like, pretty known in Florida. So, yeah. Because there was actually dudes that got busted, two guards that were announced, like, they were KKK members. Really? And, and you see, like, you don't feel it, man. Like, for me to tell you, like... Like, you could hear a mouse piss on cotton. That's how, like, high your nerves were when you were in there. Like, because you just didn't know, like, what was going to happen. Like, when I called home for the first time, you know, I only have my grandparents. I don't have any other family. And, well, she passed away, but she's alive at this time. And I call because I just got to the camp. I know I'm going to be at I know I'm going to be here. So I'm like, all right, let me order my winter clothes, like my packages and everything. So they're trying to figure out how to do the packages. And I'm like, I'm at, I'm at golf correctional. So she's doing the stuff online. I call back like probably an hour later and she's like, are you going to be okay? I'm like, what do you just Googled it? Yeah, I just Googled it. And there's 75% murderers and, and you know, like Florida puts everybody together. People think it's like California. In Florida, you can be in the cell with the chomo, meaning, you know what I mean? Child molester. Yeah. So... (laughs) I mean, obviously, if you're a stand-up dude, you're going to, you know, you're not going to sleep in the same cell. You're going to either smack them or something's going to happen. But what I'm getting at is Florida is like a cesspool, man. They literally just put everybody with everybody. So you have, you know, Aryan Brotherhood, Unforgiven, Crips, GDs, Bloods, all in the same, like, dorm with 120 people. So, I mean, they're, they literally, like, don't care, first off, or they wouldn't do that. And you don't have to really worry. So I didn't really have to worry so much about the inmates after I'd been there for a little while. It was the guards that, like, you really had to, like, worry about. And I didn't find about how serious that was until I went to confinement. And I was only at golf for, like, I think three weeks before I ended up in confinement. So when I got there, they put me in M-Dorm. M-Dorm has a one and a two. So you can go in one side, or like an A and a B, right? And they have like, I forget, 100 inmates, I think, in each one. So I get put into M2. I'm in there, and they move this dude in, right? He, as he comes in, there's three officers with him. So I don't know any of this at this time, but apparently this dude had been at, that, at the main unit. Remember how I said there was like an annex in a main unit? Well, he yeah. was at the main. I was at the annex. Now they're bringing him over to the annex because he got into a relationship with one of the female officers, right? And she, I guess, was like obsessed with him or, or she fell hard for him. You know what I mean? But the dude was a booty bandit. What is that? So in prison, you have dudes that are labeled like booty bandits. And that's literally from the time they wake up. To the time they go to sleep, they're they're hunting ass, like who they're gonna fuck, bro. Like, like they're looking for people they can finesse. Meaning, like, 
Like, I mean, I don't know how they do it, but I know how other people get finessed. And that would be like, you know, I come into a dorm, he would come up to me and be like, hey, bro, my cousin knew your cousin on the street and he robbed him. And now dude's going to have his whole gang beat your ass. So then he would turn around, but at the same time and be like, listen, man, you know, I'm going to take care of it, but you know, I'm going to need something for that. And then that turns into two suits. And then a month later, he's getting his whole fucking order and the kid just doesn't even know because he just wants to stay alive. Oh my fucking yeah, so, God. So I, this guy, he gets brought into the dorm by all the officers. They bring him up to the officer station. This is my luck, right? I'm in the corner bunk on the wall. It's an open bay dorm with bunk beds on the, on the outer and then single bunks in the middle. So I'm on the wall back. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. I'm on the wall back to the. Camera good? I didn't mean to do that. Yeah, you're good, man. It's all right. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> Which one did you hit? I think I just went like that. I don't, th- I don't think he touched it. It should be good. No, we're good. We're good. Okay. So he gets into the dorm. I'm sleeping in the corner bunk, right? Yeah. They move him in the bunk next to me, like on the other side in the other aisle. So mm-hmm. they move. He comes in. He goes to the officer. They assign him the bunk. I can already tell. Like I'm pretty good at like reading people to see if like you know I can pretty much tell if I'm gonna like you or not. I mean I think everyone's kind of like that. But in yeah. there, that sense on me was like turned up really high because you don't want to open the door to people like you know because then once that door is open, it's hard to close it. Hence the kid that, you know, started with a soup and now he's given his whole right, order right? because a lot of people in there don't get money. So they're going to, I mean, I'll get into that later, but okay. so this guy, I looked at him and I instantly knew like, I'm not going to like this dude just the way like his mannerisms were. He was really like loud and disrespectful. And I don't like that. Like, yeah. I don't like big mouse. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So they move him next to my bunk. Um, you know, I go about my day. I'm in the day room. I think I was working out or doing something. And I came back around the corner and the officers were there. This dude had left the dorm, I think, to go like to classification or something. They, you get a box in prison. They call it a footlocker. It sits on the ground where you put all your personal property in it. And as I'm turning the corner, they got this dude's box and dumped all his legal paperwork. I mean, the dude had been down for like 15 years. So he's accumulated a lot of shit when he's been in there. Excuse me. So when I come around the corner, they're dumping all this shit's dude, or all this stuff's dude, all this shit in the fucking dorm, and they just whip out and start pissing all over his shit in the middle of the dorm, like three yeah. officers. So I was like, oh, man, this is bad. He just moved in next to me. All the officers don't like him. So I know, like, my little area where I'm living is going to be hot because they're always going to be over there fucking with that dude. So when he got in the relationship with the woman <clears throat> officer at the main unit, she caught feelings, I guess. What, did it, what was this dude? What did he look like? He was a black dude. He was probably like uh, 5'10", like 250. So a big dude, big yeah. jack dude. I mean, he was not. He, not yeah. super tall, 5'10", but. Yeah, he wasn't jacked. He was just like big boned, you know what I okay, mean? Okay, okay. So not like a super intimidating, like Debo looking kind of guy. Yeah, I mean, not intimidating. The only thing like that where I was having like second thoughts is he had like like 29 years. He had already been down 15 so, like, usually those dudes, like, aren't fighting. They're stabbing shit. So that's really, like, when I saw him, I was like, man, I know I'm not going to like this dude, but I'm going to try to just because, like, he's, he lives next to me. But once I saw. Why wouldn't, now, why wouldn't he, why wouldn't he fight? And he, why would he stab instead of fight? 
because they're not it's that it's that type of violence like they're right and he's been in there a long time he's over fighting people probably yeah, right like, he's fucking doing well, 30 even, years and yeah that that too but even young people man that come in like that's the new thing in prison like there's not any fighting if you're gonna fight man you're there's gonna be a knife at some point okay it's just uh, florida's crazy man then you i mean there's a lot of shit that goes on but i'll get into that in a minute um so they're pissing on his shit. I see this. I know off rip. I'm not going to like this dude, right? So time went on, and they moved. Like, there's a difference between a gay guy and a booty bandit, right? Okay. So in there, like, you're not like me. I didn't talk to any of them because I don't want to be labeled that. And when you're talking to them, somebody sees that, and they're like, oh, man, that white boy likes it like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, don't, I didn't fuck with them when I was in there. But in prison, you have gay dudes that are, like, feminine like right. paint their nails and put Skittle like for blush and shit. <clears throat> they moved one of those into the dorm. And when they do that, man, like you'll be in a dorm and like, we'll all be hanging out, playing poker, playing cards. And everyone will be like, Oh, all convict shit. But then when one of those dudes get moved into the dorm, all of a sudden that tough guy gangster tatted up is like over on the dude's bunk, sitting down, having long talks with them. And there's literally like five dudes that are trying to do this because they're trying to get her. They call it a her in there. Right. And you watch this go on. Well, my bunkie, the booty bandit, you already know, like he's already on that. So he's loving this. So he's now on the bunk trying to get with the punk. And they would wake up on Saturday morning. This is kind of where it started with that me fighting that dude. So he was bringing his friends over to his bunk and they were all chilling talking about, Oh, uh, they would be like, he ain't going to get her. I'm going to get her. And they would like talk about like how they're going to finesse the gay dude to give it up. Right. So on Saturday they would all wake up like four or five of them and they would sat on Saturdays. They give you coffee cake in prison. Right. Mm -hmm. So they would all go to the chow hall to get the coffee cake, not eat it, bring it back and see who could get it to the punk first because then they would think like they won something. It was like on that type of level, like predator type shit. Oh my God. So they're doing this. I'm watching all his friends talk about it. And like when you're on your bunk and like you're trying to just like escape from everybody. And now I got like the gay boy gangsters over here, like talking about how they're going to, you know, get this punk oh so my god dude that, that's really like where i was like this is gonna happen because he was already disrespecting me from having that shit going on where i'm trying to sleep and the fact of just how he is so it was like but what when what it did what did do it was we were in uh we were in master roster count they come in and you have to sit up on your bunk and read off your DC number as they walk through the dorm, every inmates, and they're counting. So when they get done counting the dorm, they'll say relax, and you can lay back on your bunk and kind of hang out for like 10 minutes until the cap uh, Tallahassee will clear count, right? So then mm -hmm. we can all get up and do everything. So there was this lady that worked the dorm, and like in there there's gunners. I don't know if your audience or you knows what that is. So a gunner is... If they move a female officer into the officer station and she's in there and she works a night shift, the lights in prison are out when I was in at, I think, 10 or 11. I forget the oh, exact. Oh, no. Is this when the guys, like, they wait for the women to walk by and they start jacking off? Yeah, mm -hmm. bro. Oh, my God. Yeah. Or, like, they, they do it any which way. Like, you literally will get up at 10 or 11 when the lights are out. 
and you'll go to the water fountain in the day room and dude is literally the water fountains like right here and the officer stations like right here. So he's just standing there with his shit out, jacking his dick to her. And she's just sitting there watching it and likes it that like some of them like it. It's freaking crazy. But Fuck. a lot of them don't, and that's where you get that you can get charged and shit for that. They you go to confinement and all that shit, and they torture you. So, but so this dude, right? He has all these like punks going on over near my bunk, and finally we're in master roster that night. And that this officer, they all like to gun down when she worked, was working. So instead of waiting until we clear count, I had rolled over to face the wall to take a nap, right? Like during the ten minute, like a little cat nap. So. I hear like commotion, like laughing and all this shit going on. So I roll back over and this dude's literally on the bunk, butt ass naked, jacking his dick while we're all sitting in master roster. He's gunning the lady through the window of the officer station. Like she's not even looking at him. Like she's like turned around and he's just like, oh, she's an eater dog. She finna get it. And then he would just start. So I roll over and wake up to this. So which is really like disrespectful you know, to do to somebody in prison. And so I didn't say anything. I just put my shoes on, stood up and we just, I just took off on him and we started fighting and we were fighting for like a a good minute. And in there, like a minute's a pretty long fight, you know, really anywhere. Was he fighting back? Yeah, yeah, we were fighting. This bro. naked guy with a boner. Well, he had his boxers on at this point. Oh, okay, but I think they ended up fucking because we were on the ground like fighting, and like it ended up going to the ground. That's when we got sprayed by the mace. So they all come in, they handcuffed us, they take us to the shower. We have mace and shit. He's oh. lumped up, right, bleeding out of his eye. So they take him to medical to like get stitched up and shit, and they're taking me to confinement. They literally just walk you from whatever dorm you're in across the compound. there's a confinement wing where the, all the people go to the box. And so the warden happened to be making rounds on the prison that night. As I'm walking out, you know, I'm fucking got his blood on me. I got mace, which is another thing. You don't want to fight like booty bandits or people like that because a lot of them have AIDS. So oh, that's why a lot of people don't like do shit to them. They want to get their blood on you. Yeah. You don't want to get that, that antibody karate. <laughs> so, so I'm walking across the compound. The warden is like doing his run, walks through the compound and shit. And he comes over to the two officers that are walking me, you know, my hands behind my back. And he's like, and he, and so he's like, what happened? And I was like fucking pissed. Cause now I know I'm going to the box, you know, it's winter. I'm going to be fucking cold. So I was like, dude, listen, the dude was gunning next to me and I'm not, I'm not living like that. I don't respect that. So I did what I had to do. And he's like, are you a B? Like thinking I was an Aryan brother or some shit. Oh, so I was like, no, nah, man, I'm a neutron. Like I'm solo. And he's like, all right. So he, you could tell like they were like, that's what's up. You see what I'm saying? Like yeah. the warden kind of like you're hearing them be like, yeah, bro, he got him decent. Like they knew this dude. So, and everybody knew him. So when, he was a problem. He was yeah, like a constant problem. There. Yeah. And like everybody knew about that fight because everybody knew of him and how he was. And then nobody really knew of me. It was just like the white boy that beat dirt's ass. You know <laughs> what I mean? So we get, I get into confinement. I'm in my cell and they bring him from medical into the confinement wing. And right when he gets in, like the officers, I guess had like said some shit to other inmates or whatever. And so they, when he walks in, they're like, Oh, you let that white boy beat your ass. So now they're like booing the whole situation mm-hmm. up again. So, 
I'm like, man, like I'm going to do, you know, 50, 60 days in the box. I think it's 30 and I sat in there for a little while too, waiting to go to DR court. But now I'm going to get out and I'm going to have to go right back in because there's no way this dude is going to let right. this be known. You know what I mean? Like, right. you know, he's going to fight you again or try to yeah. stab you or something. Yeah. And so I did, I think I did like, I forget how many days, but I was back in confinement and that is when I saw how the officers really are. And like when I saw that is really when I was like, I laid down that night after all that shit had happened, what they did. And I was just like, bro, like there, I could not go home and it doesn't have to be like a gang thing or anything like that. Like they were literally killing people there. Like it's in the, it's in the paper and everything. And just instigating situations and shit. They well, yeah, well they would definitely do that. But what they did was they targeted the gunners. So when you go to confinement and you go for gunning, they put a one dash nine on your door and they do that for like each charge. And they have your, your charges when you're being released, your pictures all on your door, right? The two, like two cellies got their right. pictures on it. So like they would see the one dash nine on the dude's door and they would like instigate him and talk shit and be like, you know, the officers would do that and sell them out. And then one day, like there was a, there's a captain in Florida who's usually in charge of like 10 officers or I don't know, but, they're like the upper dudes in the yeah. system, right? They wear a white shirt. So he, I guess the gunner had said something to one of the officers when they were messing with him, right? And the captain came in, and he literally just walked in the middle of the dorm, and there's all cells going down here, and then there's a top tier where they go up top. So there's two levels. And he stood in the middle of the dorm. At first, he told us all to get off our windows, and then he just said, if y'all want to gun my white women, get your ass on the door. Like, he was begging somebody to, like, say, fuck you, sir, or fuck you, Captain. You know what I'm saying? And there's always one motherfucker in there that'll be that dude. Like, no matter what. So this dude was like, fuck you, da-da-da-da-da, and he starts selling them out through the door, right? So the captain and, like, three officers go over to this dude's cell. Now, they open his flap. He's still talking shit. And they, they're supposed to turn on a, like, back then it was a handheld uh, camcorder. And they, when an inmate was bucking, they call it bucking, like when you're kicking yeah. the door, screaming. So they would turn the camera on, and they would have to record what was going down as they extracted the inmate from the cell to make sure, like, you know, they didn't break the law. Which, right. So what they do is they would literally have the camera. The camera guy would be behind two other officers. they go over to the door with the camera off, talk a bunch of shit to this inmate, get them going crazy, and then, boom, they turn the camera on, and they're like, Inmate, stop bucking. Stop. Like, like they make it seem like mm. he just started to go crazy for no fucking reason, and they were mm. trying to get him to calm down. So they sprayed this dude through the food flap with black Jesus is what it was back then. I think they took it out, but it was like a strong-ass OC spray. That, Like, if we sprayed it in the front parking lot or, like, 50 yards away, like, we would be, like, choking. That's how powerful it was. Like, we in confinement, it would come through – the vents in the cell. So if dude upstairs got sprayed, the air, the, the return vent would bring it into all the other cells. So you're literally like 10 cells away and you have to take your shirt off and you wet it a little bit and you like mask your face to kind of stop from the shit getting in your nose. Jesus. So this dude's in the cell there after they spray you, they're supposed to take you out and put you in a shower because that shit's that powerful. (laughs) Like it needs to, it needs to get off you. So they didn't do that with him, man. They just left him in there for like an hour. And that, that stuff not only gets on your eyes, it gets on anything it touches. So 
like your hands will be burning just from getting the, like, you know, the residue on you. And he was literally like screaming for his mom. Like that's how much like he was like going through it in there. And that's really when I was like, cause these are hard. Like these aren't no bitches, you know what I'm saying? And when you hear a grown man and know, like there's nothing he can can do to control this situation, it's totally out of his hands. Like he is literally at the mercy of whatever they want to do to him. So they did that. He's screaming. He finally like calmed down from screaming, but he couldn't breathe. So that's probably why he couldn't scream. And they ended up having to go in on a stretcher and get him out of there. And the dude ended up dying like a couple of days later or some shit we found out. Damn. I don't know if that was true because that's through like, you know, the inmate right. telephone type shit. Mm-hmm. What, what, so what was the black stuff? What, like, what black was it made Jesus. of? It's called Black Jesus. Yeah, it's a big OC mace. OC mace. But the shit shoots like a fucking fire. Like, it's like it shoots like So it's like, like one of those hose. big hands with like a trigger on it. Yeah, yeah. And it was black? Like a trigger like that. They would put it on their belt, you know what I mean, and walk <clears throat> around with it. But yeah, it was... I think they took it out of the prison system because of just how, like, ruthless and, you know, like, if people that had asthma... Yeah, there you like, go. Yeah. Black label pepper spray? Yeah. Jesus. Black Jesus. Fuck, man. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that was the real name. I think it was, though, but that's what everybody It's a good name it. for it. Yeah, no, for real, right? <laughs> Just to make you see Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's, like, really, man, like, where I was, like, that, that was the first time ever in my life I was, like, man, I need to change my life. Because I'm in there, and I'm in the dorm, and I'm going to, like, get on the phone, and you look around, and there's dudes that have been in there for 22 years who haven't gotten on the phone or talked to anybody in, like, 15 years. Haven't had no, like, you know, you're, because they, their family died or they were they pieces of shit and nobody wants to talk to them. But majority of people, a lot of that goes on in prison. And, you know, like through my life, I don't know about like you or anything, but like my parents would always tell me shit when I was younger, right? Like, you don't want to be a drug dealer. And I was like, yes, I do. And now I'm in prison because of it. So it's like. I was like, I heard all that shit when I was young, but I just thought I was different and I could, Mm -hmm. I was unique and I wasn't going to get caught or whatever. And now I'm sitting in prison with old guys, like, you know, in their sixties that got life or never getting out, never seeing the daylight. And they're telling me like, man, if you keep doing what you've been doing, you're going to be me. And that was really where I could see it at that point. I could see like, like I could always tell myself, man, I got 10 more years to keep getting in trouble. But then it got to the point where, like, I was worried about the charge that I was going to get because the violence and the crime just keeps getting bigger and bigger when you're on the street. Like, it starts from, you know, selling pills to robbing pharmacies to writing scripts to, you know, a bunch of different levels. And then, you know, you're robbing people, so now they could have a gun, you know. So you never know. Like, I lived for the day, you know what I mean? And it was then that I was like, man, like, I really need to get my shit together. But I didn't know how to do it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I had been, like, so caught up in the in the game for so long that, like, I didn't really want to work a normal job because I, I would always tell myself, why am I going to go work for, you know, $400 a week when I could be making five grand? And that's what kept me in it. But when they put that database into effect <clears throat> and... I went to prison again. That was really like, I was like, man, like I want to do something different with my life. You know, I don't want my legacy to be like a fucking low level drug dealer. You know what I mean? And yeah. still doing the same shit. Yeah. 
What? So, like, after you went to confinement, after beating up that dude who was uh, jacking off on the lady, <laughs> uh, the, what do you call him? Gunner. Gunner. After you beat yeah, up the snipers. gunner. <laughs> and they try to instigate, obviously, like, if you're going to get out, it's going to be conflict yeah. between you guys again. What happens when you guys get out? So, we both got released the same time, right? It was, like, me, him, and, like, two other guys. So... We, we have our shit with the, we go out to the bubble where the doors open and they tell us what dorm we're going to. So like he didn't say anything. I didn't say anything. We walked out of the door confinement to go to our dorms. And I just like, I just stepped off over to him and I'm like, bro, listen, I'm done with that shit. If you're done with it, we're good. But if you want to run it back, we can run it back, but we might as well just do it here because we're not gonna, you know, we're going right back here. Right. So he was like, nah, bro, it's straight it's straight. But still, even then. Like, when I went back into the dorm and, you know, got in the groove of that dorm and, like, started knowing people and shit, like, but when that was going on, I was still, like, you know, this dude could come stab me when I'm sleeping. It's nothing for him to leave his dorm and sneak off into my dorm because the guards don't really give a fuck. You know what I mean? So, it was, like, a probably a couple weeks where... There's nothing in between you and them when you're sleeping? Oh, no. No. So, like, you're sleeping as close to you are right now but we would just be laying down and that's how it is but, but there's but, like but, no but, doors on your bunk not in an open bay in a not cell in an open bay. you're you can have doors in a cell it's called a t building and there you're gonna have doors but not in an open bay and even when you have a door they make shit to pop the locks like you can get a you can get a soda can and, and take off the thing under the lip and you can use that to pop your door or like there's other shit too but so you're not, you're not safe. Like, no. and, and, and I'm not a small dude. I work, I was even bigger in there. I worked out all the time, kept up top shape, ready at any time to go. And like, I'm, I'm worried, you know what I mean? So I know like now I'm in a place where like, like I graduated to the next level of, you know, problems mm -hmm. and I didn't gang bang when I was in there. I, you know, after I fought that dude, and I got out of confinement. I was on the yard and everything. All the white boys that are in, like, Unforgiven. And there, I think there was some AB there and some other skinheads. They were like, yo, what's up, bro? You want to probate? Like, what's that mean? Like, probate to get into the gang. Like, you have to do, like, certain shit to get in. And I was just like, nah. But I didn't, like, disrespect them because at the same time, like, I didn't know what was going to happen with the dude. And I'm new in this prison, so I need to make some friends. Right. In case, like, you know, people are going to try to stab me or whatever. But nothing ended up happening. I ended up, get up uh, getting moved over to the work camp. and I, But I didn't go outside the gate. I didn't have a gate pass. So, I mean, that was like a work camp, which is kind of different. It's kind of more laid back. But there was the same shit was going on, just not on the same level. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It was kind of more, like, chill. It's crazy how ever those people in prison are just reduced to, like, the most primitive form of humans. Like, mm -hmm. jacking off on the girls walking down the hall. That's fucking crazy. I know, it's like It's like monkeys at a zoo. I know. It's what they do. It would, bro, I was so disgusted <laughs> with it. Like, I had no idea that that shit was, like, going on in there. And then when you see it, bro, it's like, the way I look at it is he's raping that chick, and we're all watching. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was so, like, we were on the yard one time, bro, and they have gun towers in the prison yard, like, where the gate is so they can see the whole prison and the yard and around. So there's all these inmates on the yard. Right. And if you look up in the prison tower, there's windows where the officers are. Mm -hmm. So there's these, like this group of dudes that's over to the side where the picnic table is like, there's like a blind spot where the officer on the yard couldn't see them. 
and they're jacking off to the person in the gun tower, except that gun tower, nobody went up in it because it was under construction. They were gunning a mop, turned upside down, leaned on the window. They thought it was a chick. Holy So they're fuck. gunning a fucking mop, bro. That, that gives you any idea. Shit, bro. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, if that gives you any idea of what type of people, and that, like... That was a part of that was a big reason too why I didn't want to go back is is because it was getting to the point <clears throat> where there's like so much disrespect like you know you're just crammed in there with everybody you can't get away from anybody and you're around a hundred different personalities mm-hmm. from gunners the freaking murderers mm-hmm. and I was just like man like I could probably do more time but I can't do it with these people and I know if I come back I'm gonna be doing it and it just got worse too as time goes on. Mm-hmm. Because in there, everybody's doing Tucci and K2. So, like, they're literally strung out in prison. And now you got all the bullshit that comes with drugs and mm. that lifestyle going on in there. So, it was, it was there's an epidemic. Like, people are dying left and right in Florida prison right now because really? of that. Yeah. Is it true? Most people I talk to, they say they have, like, a super boosted immunity, like, immune system when they come out of prison. Just because of all the shit they're exposed to. Like, they don't yeah, get sick. Well, yeah, they never get sick. Like, m- many people just say, like, they never get sick because they were exposed to so much bullshit in prison and so much fucking... I've seen a dude in prison, right? His arm was, like, sitting up like this, and he couldn't fold it down. So he was walking around everywhere. In his armpit was a freaking thing, like a softball, and it was red and gooey and shit. He had, like, either Mercer or Staff or, or whatever he had. It could have been a spider bite. So he mm. goes to medical to be like, hey, I can't put my arm down. And they're like, here's three ibuprofen. Go back to the dorm. You'll be okay. <laughs> and that's their medical, like, that's all they do. It's either Tylenol or ibuprofen for everything. Unless you are, like, literally, <laughs> like, you know, you're about to die. Then they're going to, like, bay flight you out of there and shit. Oh, but, my God. Yeah, the medical, like... And that's scary too, man, because you never know. Like, you get bit by brown lacoose, which are everywhere up there mm-hmm. in prison. Like, they're planting shit in you, and next thing you know, your pinky's falling off. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's fucking brutal. Yeah, so all that shit, man, just like, I think it was just all of it combined. And then, you know, when I got out, I wanted to change, you know what I mean? I just didn't really, like, know how. I didn't know, like, what to do for... Like, what did they tell you when, like, right before you got released? Did they say, like, we're going to, like... I didn't even know when I was being released. I had to have my people that I was calling home to, like, tell me. Like, my classification officer told me, like, three weeks prior. Mm-hmm. But it was just like, hey, here's where you go. You got to go report when you get out to the state of Florida. And you'll get a food stamp card, and I think they gave me, I don't know, I didn't get, I got picked up. But usually they'll give people a bus ticket and, like, $50. I think it's even lower than that. It used really? to be 100 A bus ticket and $50. Yeah, after, like, 10 years. Good luck, buddy. <laughs> yeah, we'll see you back. <laughs> we'll yeah, see yeah. You. We'll see you in 48 hours. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, <clears throat> I, I mean, I got out, and I wanted to do the right thing. I, I like, still was still fucking up a little bit. Um like with drugs and selling them and doing them and just like not wanting to work a full-time job because I couldn't find one. And if I did, it was like McDonald's or, and I just, I don't know, I guess my pride like wouldn't let me do that. I don't know why, but so, um, I ended up make a lot of money working at McDonald's now. Well, yeah, now you <laughs> yeah, nowadays. So, um, I just, I tried to change at that point, but I was still like one foot in one foot out. 
And like my grandma that raised me, because my dad died when I was seven. My mom was a, a drug addict and alcoholic and still is. Um, I was at work one day. I'm working at the gym now, so I'm starting to like make that transition into yeah. like legal work and shit. And I had met a good girl, so that helped a lot. Someone that never been in the life or you know any of that type of stuff. Um, I'm at the gym and I'm leaving. I'm going home. My grandfather calls me and he's like, "Hey, go to uh, St. Joe's in Tampa. That's where they're bringing your grandma." So. All this time, like, that I was doing the pills and everything, like, my grandma had, like, anxiety because my dad died and my aunt died. So she buried both of her kids when they were, like, in their 20s. So she already had, like, anxiety. And then she had um, fibromyalgia. So she was on the pain pills and the Xanax, like, for her own shit. But I think along the line, like, even though... Like, she didn't do crazy shit, but she was addicted. Like, she had to have it every day, or she felt like shit. Mm-hmm. So she ended up getting put on oxygen because of, like, you know, that shit slows down your respiratory, so you can be shortness of breath and shit like that. Mm-hmm. So they put her on the oxygen. They put the thing in the garage of my grandparents' house, and they run the cable into the living room, and then she can walk into her bedroom so that she can still use it. And she was trying to quit smoking, but I guess she wanted a cigarette. So she lit a cigarette and the oxygen caught and burned her, like literally gulfed her body. And my grandpa's in the front room, so he do, he can't hear her scream because she's literally on fire and, and can't breathe. So like, I think that went on for a couple minutes and then he finally had went out and saw her and like, you know, did what he had to do to, to get her to the, they ended up bay flighting her to the burn unit. And she had like third degree burns over, I think like 80% of her body. Like she was, she was like in a coma or whatever they had did to her when I got there and she had a DNR. So there wasn't like, like there was nothing we could do to give her back her quality of life. You know what I mean? So, yeah. So, and she, I think had a DNR man. Cause like my, she buried both of her kids and then she helped raise me. And now here I am, you know, fucking doing dumb shit. So. I think she was just done with life, man, honestly. Like, she told my grandfather, if anything ever comes down to it, don't save me. Let me go. Jesus fuck, man. So that happened, and then I kind of was like, fuck everything. You know what I mean? I kind of wild out for a good minute, like a couple months or something. And the girl I was with, like, stayed with me, and she was like, you're better than this, da-da-da-da-da. So over time, man, I just like finally had started to like understand like what life is. You know what I mean? Like I didn't, I never had like responsibilities. I never, I never showed up where I said I was going to show up at what time. You know what I mean? I was always like, I was just like, like holidays would pass. And I was like, dude, Christmas was like two months ago. Like I was so in like a, a fog, man, where I don't even know how I'm alive, honestly. Like the shit that not only I put in my body, but, you know, just being in that life, like, you know, you're getting robbed, you're robbing people. Like mm-hmm. there's a lot of shit. So, um, you know, be having a good woman in my life, I think was like one of the catalysts to me making changes because like, I didn't, I don't have any family, you know what I mean? Like I don't have anybody really other than like my wife, I ended up marrying her. And, uh, so she kind of like, I, I I guess I was like just ready to change too, but I just, 
I wanted to do something more with my life. And then I started doing the personal training and I got really good at that. And I started making like bonuses for being like top seller in the state and shit. And then the shit happened with my grandma and I was working at one gym and I kind of just like fell off. You know what I mean? I was like, fuck it. I'm like, I was just ready to kill myself, honestly. Cause I didn't, you know, it was like, it was upsetting. And mm. then, so I stopped working at this one gym and that's when I meet the dude saying like you helped me open this gym like he made me a personal training manager and I started opening the gym with him and I did exactly what he said I didn't do anything wrong you know what I mean and he was just like no one's gonna believe you you're a felon so when this was going on I was I you know suit the department of labor sued him because he did this to three other people so there was going to be like a like an investigation on it. And I was calling him on the phone because I couldn't get him to give me my checks. And then he finally just said, like, I'm going to give you a trespassing warrant if you come up here and ask for it. Like, he wouldn't even do it. He'd have somebody else tell me that. Where's this guy now? He, he ended up losing the gym because he's a fucking scumbag, and that's karma. But he, he he's, I don't want to, his name's Joe. So, but anyways, I recorded all his phone calls and I did an episode on it on my channel and okay. told the whole story and like put him out there on it. You know what I mean? Right. And then, you know, after I did Just that. Just don't dox him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and then that's when I found out about the YouTube, man. Like we were kind of talking. Mm -hmm. I was, you know, on break at work, I was watching YouTube. Next thing I know, there's like all these people that have been to prison telling their stories. And like, I watched their <laughs> channels go from like 10,000 subscribers to, yeah. you know, a hundred thousand, 200, 300,000. And now they're like making a living, feeding their whole family. And just from telling like their life, you know, like what they went through. Yeah. So I saw all that going on on YouTube and I was like, well, I can do that. And I got a lot of good stories I could tell. And I know a lot of people that have been in trouble, so it's pretty going to be easy for me to find people, right? So as I'm watching the YouTube, like, there was, like, you know, there was a lot of drama in the prison genre, like, between channels and shit. So yeah. I never saw a channel, man, where somebody, like, went on, told all their stories, and then, like, used that, turned it into a positive, and then would help people that are still stuck in that like where I was confusion on like, you know, what am I going to do with my life? I don't see a, I don't see a way for change. Mm -hmm. And so on my stuff, like I, you know, I did an episode on the mayor I was telling you about, I do like stuff like that. But mm -hmm. when I do like interviews with people or I'm telling like, you know, one of my personal stories, like I don't, I'm not just glorifying it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I made 50 grand one month selling pills, but that was one month. I made a lot of money, <clears throat> but I don't, I didn't have shit to show for that when it was all done and said, you know? When you're making a lot of money, you spend a lot of money. And then when you get high, you really spend a lot of money on shit yeah. that you don't even know. Like, I would wake up and be like, I bought that? <laughs> like, not even know. Yeah. So I wanted to, like, you know, make my channel different, obviously. And I just want to, you know, spread the message that, like, people can change. Because I didn't think I could. You know what I mean? And if, like, I've been with nothing. You know what I mean? I've been not knowing where I was going to sleep at night. Like, that's where it got to. And then having no family even makes that more mm -hmm. of a, you know. So I just want, I want to, I wanted to help people is why I started. And I also want, you know, to be able to, like, this is like a side hustle, work for myself, and hopefully something will come out of it. And if not, I'll just do personal training. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, man. Some of the most interesting people I've ever met have been on this show, people that have been in prison for a long time. Yeah. You know, people, people that have had mm -hmm. a lot of time to reflect 
You know what I mean? They have nothing to distract themselves with except yeah. look inward and, you know what I mean, reflect on their own lives. And, and you know, that combined with the people that they've met and the yeah. story that there's the most straight up the most fascinating people are people that have, you know, done a lot of time in prison. <clears throat> um, yeah, I think it makes you appreciate the yeah. smaller things in life. What what do you th- what do you think the I don't I don't know like how bad the opioid ep- epidemic is right now or like since Purdue's been shut down I don't know like what the statistics are on deaths or yeah. anything but what what do you think the answer is for to you know to stop all of the overdoses and you know obviously it's it's you can't make the stuff illegal <laughs> you know if if it's if it stays legal and it's still prescribed, you know, to people who, who need it or who are in pain or who have cancer or whatever it is, like, what do you think the answer is to stop all the deaths and all the, the overdoses and everything? I don't think you can, man. I think it's been going on since, you know, the mafia was bringing heroin in Mm -hmm. like people. I think now it's just on a bigger level and it's more accessible. And I think they're trying to not make it as accessible as it used to be, because like there was a point where my grandma couldn't even get her prescriptions filled because of all the corruption and all the people dying and all the doctors being under like like they're under watch now and now a normal person that really needs pain medicine because they have cancer or you know a muscle disease or whatever that they can't get it because they're all being like we were prescribed the most opiates at one time our state in the whole world like from other countries like our country gets the most pills right mm-hmm. so when that started happening and people are dying then the, I guess, I don't know who's in charge of it, but they were like, all right, we need to crack down. So they cracked down on Purdue and, and all those other, you know, manufacturers. And then that's when I think the fentanyl really started to take off. And now it's, which is a, what is it? A hundred times more potent. Yeah. Than- like if you get it on your skin, you can OD. Right. Like there's a video of a cop arresting a dude and he reached in his pocket and grabbed a bag of fentanyl. It was open and didn't have gloves on and he, you like, there's an actual video, and you can watch the guy standing up, and the other cops like, "Yo, are you all right?" And the and guy just falls like, over, right? You said, yeah, you yeah. saw that? It's yeah, crazy. And he dies. Well, he didn't die, oh, but okay. he yeah. he would have if they didn't hit him with Narcan. Jesus, you know it's bad when all the cops have to carry Narcan. Like that should tell you the level of what it's what it's become. That's fucking crazy. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know that video existed. Yeah, it's like a, I think it's like an, a cop in Arizona. Or, yeah, I forget where, but I remember seeing yeah, it. Yeah, it's it went viral though. Yeah, but he just gets like you can see he gets like dizzy and then just falls. falls well, I mean out. the fentanyl thing's crazy, especially because it's like someone like cocaine is being cut with it. Yeah, well, like there's like there's three people that were just partied in L.A. like a month ago or whatever, yeah. and like or four people and. Two or three of them died, and the one lady mm-hmm. she lived, she, she lived, but she was on life support, or she yeah. like barely, barely survived. Yeah, bro, that shit. Like I've known probably a hundred people in the last like two years that have died from either fentanyl. Like now they're putting, how many? Over a hundred, man. Definitely over a hundred. I used to know a lot That's of a people lot. that were like. I would help guys that are in programs like rehabs or I had went to one a long time ago. So I knew like everybody in that whole thing. And there's people literally dying like, you know, every week there just cause they leave and go get high. And now they're doing fentanyl. And, mm-hmm. and well, the problem is if you make it illegal, then cartels are just going to, are just going to push it. And that's what happened with the, with now it's like fentanyl and meth, I think are really like the top 
like, I don't know if they're the killers, but they're up there with like ruining lives. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. That's a, I don't know the answer. I don't know the answer, but I, I would imagine that, you know, at least for prescriptions for doctors who are prescribing this shit, at least you gotta, there has to be some sort of, some sort of something they have to communicate where they say that like this could ruin, this could destroy your life. Like this is what happens. Like make them watch a video or something. Like this is what happens when you don't take, when you take them for four days and then you don't take them for another four days, you detox, you fucking get the shakes or whatever it is. Like at least like scare the shit out of people before they decide to take it. If they don't know what it is. I mean, if you're already, if you're already addicted to it, you're you're kind of already fucked. Yeah, exactly. And, just just to give you an idea on why I don't think it's going to change is because I will go to a doctor now, like say I need to go for a monthly checkup and I'll go into the doctor and say, hey, I'm an addict and I can't get narcotics because right. I'll fucking you won't recognize me. You know what I mean? Right. And he'll at the end of the visit, we'll talk and he'll be like, OK, so you had anxiety, you want Xanax, right? And I'm just like, bro, like I, so if that right there shows you like where are I think it's the medical community that's responsible for pretty much all of this and then they paid everyone else off through the process. Right. It seems like that way anyways. Like when you watch like that documentary, there's tons mm-hmm. of others like What was the name of that documentary again? I gotta I have it on my phone. It's on HBO. It's a Max. fucking great documentary. It was done by um Alex Gibney, who did um I believe it's Alex Gibney. He's the same guy who did the Scientology documentary. Mm-hmm. Going clear. That was a good one, too. Yeah. He's fucking amazing. Yeah, that's like what I would like to get into is the documentary type stuff. What the fuck was it called? Oh, The Crime of the Century. Yeah, so if you're watching, go check that out. (laughs) Because it's Mm. a good documentary. That gives you like, uh, that really puts it into perspective how big. Yeah, Alex Gibney, same guy who did Going Clear. Yeah. So, I mean. Yeah, but if, if you are, you should be able to go to the doctor and be like, I'm addicted. Like give me a well like, now they give you suboxone or methadone for that, so it's literally like the government's dope. Is it they, the same? Is it do the same thing? I mean, the suboxone doesn't really get you high. I think it does when you first start taking it, but then mm-hmm. your body gets what it does is it blocks the opioid receptors in your brain. So if you take a pain pill, the suboxone attaches an opioid antagonist attaches to your receptors in your brain, making your brain think. You're high, but you're really not because you're not acting high. Mm. So if you take a pill when you're on Suboxone, it can put you into immediate withdrawals because it, if it crosses the brain, the brain blood barrier, mm-hmm. you're like having that is like it'll put you in. I don't know what causes the exact reaction in you, yeah. but you'll literally just be like you're dope sick when about five minutes ago you were, you know, cutting the ham at turn, uh, Thanksgiving. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, and then, you know, it was methadone and then now they develop suboxone, subucade, where they'll shoot it in your arm and it's Mm. good for like 30 days or something. Yeah. But people, man, are just gonna get high. They'll find a way to get high on that. There's people that are shooting suboxone that are sticking it up their ass, all kinds of shit, man. Like there, if an addict will figure out a way to get high if they Mm -hmm, want to, mm -hmm. like you can you know, move to fucking Indonesia and you're going to find the dope man. <laughs> right, you know right, I mean? like right. Like, if you really want to. And fentanyl. Where did fentanyl... When, what year did that come on? Like, when did that become popular? That, it was around when I was doing shit back in the day, but it was the patches. So, like, 
only like really fucked up people could get it. And it was like time released and you just stick it on you and it's a transdermal like type deal. Or, yeah. And now like, I mean, I don't, I would never really like, I've never actually had fentanyl in my hands or like seen it, but I know from watching all the people I know die and, you know, or OD in that like it's, they're putting it on everything. Oh, this is the cop. Yeah. Yep. That's him. Don't put the audio on because, oh, fuck. Yeah, he f- he just, like, fell out, bro. Jesus. He just touched it in a guy's pocket. That's what I'm saying, man. That shit and is what is like this thing called? Narcan. Narcan. Narcan, yeah. And even with that sometimes, though, you won't, like, you're He's good. completely out, bro. Yeah. In San Diego. Yeah. Wow. That's fucking terrifying. So, and people yeah, are using that, bro. Like they're addicted to fentanyl. That's how like it's so when a drug addict takes pills for a while, like his normal dose ain't going to get him high. And that's where the tolerance and that's where like, you know, the money, you know, some people spend $500 a day just to get high. And so, but now their tolerance is so high. The fentanyl so prominent everywhere that it's on everything. Like people are lacing Xanax with fentanyl. So you don't know what you're going to get. It's like playing Russian roulette one day. You know what I'm saying? And Mm -hmm. now the drug addicts are addicted to the fentanyl. Like they're doing fentanyl as an everyday drug. So imagine if straight fentanyl. Yeah. Or they'll cut it like with heroin or a lot of it's in heroin. Could you imagine like that's, that's the drug you're doing. Like the drug I do is so strong. I have to cut it with heroin. (laughs) (laughs) Right. That's next level. Yeah, bro. So, I mean, some of them don't even cut it. It's just, they'll just do it. So now you're addicted to a drug that kills somebody. That's my camera. Oh, went out. Oh, 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 I didn't change the battery. Can I use the bathroom? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quick? It's a hyperbaric chamber. It's like an oxygen chamber. What? For, what does that do? It like it's you sit it's in it. To be like anti aging and stuff like that. It like so what super it does good for you? Like like a lot of NF like a lot ton of NFL players use it. And uh, what it does like after games, obviously you get beat the fuck up. Your whole right. body is is destroyed. And they get in those things. And it, what it does is it. it hyper oxygenates all the cells in your body and makes them it like it like supercharges like repair of all your cells and like all the tissue everything in your body do you like feel have you been in one i've never did i've never been in one. you're about to but i saw i've seen lebron has one and he goes in it like when during the playoffs like the nba playoffs he goes because they have sometimes they have like games every other day yeah it's crazy you got to be like doesn't the Tour de France guys do that? I think I'm I sure they do. I saw yeah. sure. Tons of yeah. athletes do it. Yeah, to get their like blood right or something. The crazy mm-hmm. thing is when I called the place, there's I think there's like one dealer in the US who sells them and I called him like, hey, uh, can I get one of those hyperbaric one of those LeBron James hyperbaric <laughs> cameras? He's like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's like, Yeah, I have a prescription though. I'm like, okay. And so, so you gotta go to a it's doctor. It's funny to get a what we're talking about. We gotta I gotta go get a script. I gotta See, go. bro, it's all connected. <laughs> it's all connected. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's be, made by gonna, Purdue. It's made by Purdue. You're gonna be like, it's time uh, yeah. to go to work. He's gonna be like, I'm not leaving my chamber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's fucking hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> well, cool, bro. That was a. Uh, we had to cu- take a cut, a little break, but we're back and we can wrap it up now. Well, right. what? Tell me. So, like, what kind of people are you interviewing on your channel? 
So I interview, bro, like I interview a guy that had a life sentence for weed. He got out. He did like 20-something years. I interview a gang member that was stabbing everybody he saw in prison. And then I've also interviewed a dude that was paying rent and getting his shit took and getting his ass beat and tortured every day in there. So I try to bring on a wide variety of people. At first, I was kind of like... A guy who's getting his ass... I mean, a guy who's getting raped... Oh no, I never oh. had that. Oh, getting oh, his oh. ass beat. Like. Oh, okay, okay, okay. And they and in there, bro, like depending on where you're at, you can literally be tortured. Like at the JIT camps in Florida are juvenile prisons. Yeah. And there are literally like five dudes that hold an inmate down and the other dude fucks him in the ass with a broomstick. Like that's the kind of torture I mean. Not like, you know, somebody just punches you in your shit. Like like you have to fight one of them, and then when you're done, the next one comes in, and you got to fight him. And they call it uh, like lining it up, where they'll line like ten dudes up, and you just got to fight every one of them back to back to back. But eventually, like you can't do that. Like I don't mm-hmm. care who you are. Like, right. So you end up getting stomped into the ground, and some people that have that happen never fight back or never do anything. So, and when you do that. Now you just told everybody, like, basically do whatever the fuck you want to me, and I don't care because they're just so scared. And then you have other people that that happens to, and then they fight back. And that's what it takes. you got to fight back because then they see, like, they call it a TOH. It was like a test of heart. Mm -hmm. So they're kind of testing you to see, like, are you really about that life? Right. Are you going to make it through this? And then when you do, they're like, all right, that's what's up. But I didn't get that shit. Like, I'm not, I'm not that type of dude. Like, if we fight, I'm not, we're done. We're not talking. I'm not going to be your friend. You know right, what I mean? Right. And so, yeah, so that goes on all the time. And then I bring, the guy that I brought on, he was getting beat up. They were taking his shit and stuff like that. They call it a jizzle in Florida. Like, oh, that dude's a jizzle, meaning he'll, like, pay you and wash your boxers and do shit like that. And like when I first went to prison and I saw that happen because I never really had that happen to me. Like I was blessed. I don't know. I guess I just skated through or whatever, but like I fought, but no one ever took it to that level and tried me like that. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? But I, you know, I bring people on that has had that happen because the majority of people that go to prison end up becoming a victim, whether it's in, you know, people are taking your money, they're taking your canteen, you're washing clothes like boxers type clothes washing or, you know, you're you're doing dishes after they eat at night or, you know, they there are a lot of people, bro, that go there. They get caught up in like either they join a gang and that shit comes with the gang because now you got gang members that are above you. If you get money now, you know, you got five other your gang members that if four of them don't now you're feeding them. And mm-hmm. it's like kind of like a hierarchy, I guess. But um in Florida, man, it's just like if you're white, you're the outcast. And if you're not in a gang, you're definitely an outcast. So I but I did it, bro. So it can be done. You made it. <laughs> yeah. It's scary hearing this kind of shit, man, especially combined with the when you hear statistics like the United States is the number one has the number one like is the number one country in the world of the highest incarceration rate with the highest incarceration rate than any other country and the most opioids prescribed it's and the funny, most opioids right? mm-hmm. and yeah it's a and it's a fucking cycle yeah bro. They it's feed a each dead other. end cycle <clears throat> it definitely is man i know a lot of people right now man that are still in that life that are still that are never gonna like see that light you know what i mean they're just like they have this saying you either like you either go to jail or you die or 
you go on to the bitter end, meaning like you're okay with how fucking bad your life is because like you just can't see it any other way because you're like when you can't stop taking something to act Mm -hmm. normal or you'll be sick, everything else doesn't matter anymore because if you're sick, you can't do anything else. So that become, you become a slave. And I think that's kind of like what Purdue wanted. And I think that's why their shit got, you know, eventually got caught up with and everybody found out what they were doing because they were paying those FDA people to sign off on their shit, knowing, telling people this is a short term solution. When really they knew the whole fucking time, once we got them, they're got. Right. And how do we make higher doses? How do we come up with more pills? Yeah, how do we give out more? (laughs) Right. So... I don't know, bro. I don't see it changing anytime soon. And it's just, I mean, you, you probably know somebody that's had problems with it before. Right? Lots of people, man. Tons yeah. of people, way too many people. It's yeah. crazy. I look it's back insane. at people I like went to school with, man. Same here. Like, I've heard damn, so bro. many fucking stories. It's, it's, it's fucking frightening how many stories I've heard. I mean, especially, especially when I was younger in high school too. Yeah. Like I knew so many people that were fucking caught up in that shit. People dying all the time and. I know, man. It's sad, bro. Now, now I'm lucky I never got caught up in it. I'm just lucky, yeah. I guess. That's that's <laughs> see, that's what I I was like. Damn, how did I get caught up in this? Because my mom was a drug addict. My, you know, I she would get drunk around me when I was a kid, and her boyfriend her boyfriend had been to prison like seven times for beating her ass. So I'm seeing all this go on. You know what I mean? But watching her get drunk and her get high, I was like, man, I don't like, I don't want nothing to do with that. And I never drank alcohol. And then, you know, one day, you know, you're in school and somebody's got some shit and then you start doing it. And even then, bro, like I didn't like it. I think it's just like I had that, that gene in me, you know what I mean? Like a predisposition to being an addict. Right. And I kind of saw it more in the beginning of my life because I would get addicted to shit. Like if I played paintball, I needed to have five friends that played it. We needed to build a fucking field out back with mm-hmm. bunkers. Like I took everything like to I the have extreme. that gene too. Yeah. I have that same gene, <laughs> <laughs> like addictive personality. Oh yeah. They call it. I got to be careful. I got to be careful whenever I try new shit. Addicted to video games is one of the worst things too. Yeah. That war zone will get you. God damn. War zone, Fortnite, yeah. fucking PG. I've been on PGA 2K, the golf, the uh, golf game. I, haven't played that one. I only that played one. Warzone. That's like the only. I have game never I played. played Warzone. I tried Call of Duty. I've tried. I tried Call of Duty a few times. I can just never get good at yeah, it. Yeah, it's not your thing. Yeah, the video game thing is like once you get good at it, then you start getting addicted. But if you suck, it's easy to not want to play it. Yeah, yeah. And that dopamine. Like, yeah, exactly, mm-hmm. bro. I want what I want when I want it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, cool, bro. Tell everyone uh, listening and or watching where they can find your your content online. So you can go on YouTube, uh, type in DOC TV eight one three, and I'll probably the first one that pops up. I just made it like I think a year ago, actually, uh, today. So or That's not awesome. today, but around here so yeah man Chocha. i love your videos man they're really cool them? i saw you went on matt and matt or you went on matt's show that was yeah, really yeah, cool yeah <clears throat> yeah that's another guy that's matt. another guy similar to you he you know he got out of prison with nothing and then he just turned turned this yeah. his youtube channel into all these just opened up all these opportunities for him yeah and uh, i met matt from youtube that's kind of oh really like the first month i had a channel i had watched him <clears throat> on like dateline or one of those fucking <laughs> yeah. shows like 10 years earlier and then I have a channel now and I'm like, man, I want to reach out to some people that got some crazy crimes and see if I can get them on, you know yeah. what I mean? 
And I just stumbled across one of his videos, and I was like, man, this dude looks familiar. He looks younger, though. Yeah. And I come mm-hmm. to find out he had like plastic Tons surgery. Tons of plastic yeah, yeah, surgery. Yeah. I was like, damn, bro. He spent about $10,000 on his hairline. I know. Hey, that shit looks good, though. It bro. does. Yeah. It looks <laughs> fucking better than mine. I know, right? Me too. But yeah, so I met him and, and we kind of like connected. Like we kind of hit it off. Now we're like even more, you know, friends than we were then. Yeah, he's a super cool guy. I, I think he probably thought when he met me, I was kind of like flaky because I just made my channel. You know, everyone when they first start YouTube, they're like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to, mm-hmm. this is for the rest of my life. And they get so like addicted to it and then they don't go anywhere Mm -hmm. and they kind of fall out so but luckily for me man my channel's just been steadily growing i think i'm at like 3500 subscribers that's sick oh yeah yours is like the biggest channel i'm gonna be on so (laughs) hell yeah well i'm sure it's gonna be more after this i hope so man i'm I'm just i I love it bro i love doing youtube i love all the editing i learned how to like not knowing i didn't know how to do any of this bro i edit all my own shit i do all my own thumbnails Mm -hmm. i do everything myself and i'm not i don't see that changing unless i start making like crazy money yeah (laughs) yeah well once you start trying to make more and more stuff you know what i mean it makes more sense to get people to help you do certain things you know things that people some you know, find somebody who's good at doing graphic design, or whatever, get them to do your thumbnail. And that way you can make more stuff. Like that's what Matt's doing. Matt, I think Matt has like a team of people. Like Matt's got yeah, more people yeah. working for him than I have, that I have helping me. I know. And I even text his editor. I'm like, yo, what about this, you know, sound mixer? And he's like, yeah, oh, that's good. So yeah, so I'm Matt's killing upgrade. it, man. Matt's, Matt's doing a great job. I love, yeah, I, yeah, I love seeing like how far he's made it just from not, cause I saw him like literally the week when he got out of Oh, like the damn. week he got out of the whatever halfway the, house. the halfway house, yeah, yeah. The That's, same week he came in here, and then like from where he's, he's now, he's fucking yeah. doing flying people flying him to Europe to do TV yeah. shows, and I know, bro, it's, it's crazy. crazy how much he's doing. You man. meet so many different like, but it's hard people. too. You know, you got to have the disc. He's got the he's got like the the he's able to like put in the time to call his probation officer and do get all these documents to travel and like he has to jump through so many hoops just to do this stuff that's what kept me from going on his channel man his probation officer wouldn't let him interview me oh Hmm. really yeah so we had to like wait i think he changed probation officers or some shit happened or Mm -hmm. she gave him like a go ahead on something else and And they got they got his bank account locked down because he's got restitution he's got 11 million dollars restitution he has to pay back to the wells fargo it's comical right. man it's fucking comical yeah like they're gonna get all that they're gonna make back. him drag He'll that ball and chain before. forever i yeah. know man and that's crazy bro i feel like once you do your prison sentence like you should be done man yeah. like now you get 20 years and fucking yeah. 80 years probation after it it's yeah like, well there's your life are you um, still on probation no no okay no, that's off. good yeah well, thanks for coming on, man. I really enjoyed. Uh, I really enjoyed this conversation. That yeah, was yeah, really, really fucking you. fascinating stories that you have, man. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. really appreciate you having me on too, man. So, I absolutely salute to both of you guys. So. Absolutely, yeah. man. Well, thanks again. Yeah, appreciate right. it, man. Goodbye, world. Yeah. Goodbye, world.